Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio host, and nationally recognized safety expert, Dr. David Perotti. Join us each week as we discuss the best and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. Follow Dr. Perotin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe. Hey, everybody. It is your good friend, the Safety Doc, from down here in the North Star Recording Studio, where outside it's going to be a minus 20 wind chill tonight, and inside it is a brisk 57 degrees. Back in the green room, I've got our good friend, John, from Guns and Barbecue, who's going to be on in just a moment. But let's start out with uh, just an appreciation here to all of you. Uh, we have 1,180 subscribers now to the Safety Doc Podcast, which is triple uh, what it was in fall. So thank you so much for following and subscribing to the show, sharing it with others. I appreciate that very much. Uh, so today's show is... It's a show I wanted to do for a long time, and I had shared this out with you, and I said, if anybody knows um, either an over-the-road driver, somebody really familiar with over-the-road driving, truck driving, let me know, because I think truck drivers got the short end of the stick when it came to essential versus non-essential workers, and I wanted to talk about that, and I found the perfect guest. Uh, so so uh, Jonathan Berger and I had a, a wonderful discussion. We put this outline together for the show, which you are going to love tonight. So... Without any further ado, I'm going to bring into our stream here our good friend, Jonathan Berger. Jonathan, welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast. Uh, pleasure to be on here. <laughs> I really do appreciate the invite. Thank you. So Jonathan said it is uh, 77 degrees and sunny where he's at right now. Uh, so I'm like, wow. Yeah, it's a lot I wish. Different. <laughs> <laughs> a lot different than right here, but I'm happy for you. And so... Um, so the title of today's show is Truckers Getting Trounced, Essentially Forgotten Freight Haulers. And I, you know, it, it is, it's just mind boggling to me um, in, as the pandemic, on you know, the onset of the pandemic and who's essential, who's non-essential. First, that that even happened, right? That we had a day when we all woke up and the government said, you're essential or non-essential. And, and as I think about it more, I, I think there's this third category kind of coming in as like unessential, but, uh, but this is just crazy stuff. Um, so we're going to talk about um, how, how things impacted the, the trucking industry and also what it looked like before the pandemic, what changes happened during the pandemic. And then, you know, if we could go back and kind of rewrite history, uh, what would what could we do to make things different for truckers, especially in like March of 2020? I've got some ideas. Um, when when Jonathan and I talked, you know, he had some ideas, so we're going to put that out there. And then anything you know you want to add in from the chat, please do it. So a few shout outs before we get going in, and I go through um, uh, introduce uh, Jonathan uh, formally on here is obviously uh, subscribe to the channel. That's uh, <laughs> it's greatly appreciated, right? Subscribe to the channel. Uh, hit the thumbs up. We already have 16 thumbs up. Yeah, boy, I see so many people uh, that I know and also new people. You know, Sast, one too many. Uh, Bacon, um, Spambot Fodder, who's been in the last few shows. Alex Costello, who's also very familiar with the, the trucking industry. Uh, PNW Woods, um, NY Outcast, Gun Websites, uh, Bacon Maldito, MK Joe, Solitude Surfer. Uh, just a man against the masses. So many. So thank you. Phil Henry is here from germany right now 
So, wow, I definitely appreciate that. So let me read the um, introduction I put together for, for Jonathan, and then we'll get into it. So about Jonathan Berger. Jonathan Berger has a YouTube channel focused on Second Amendment activism and advocacy. His channel is called Guns and Barbecue, as he periodically tosses in content about his hobby of barbecuing. By the way, which makes me extremely hungry, and I could go for a brisket right now. If anybody wants to drop one off, you have to find where I live. Uh, and uh, But yes, if it's hot, brisket, I'll go for it. He's a former armed security officer and corrections officer turned truck driver. Jonathan drove truck for just over five years before going blind. Shortly after losing his vision, he decided to start a YouTube channel. Jonathan remains well-connected to the over-the-road hauler community and understands the lesser understood nodes along the OTR hauler networks. So again... I mean, thank you for being on on the show. Uh, thank you very much, and welcome, Jonathan Berger. I, I like I said, I do appreciate it. Um, I, I'm glad that I could possibly be of assistance. Uh, if our phone conversation is any, uh, you know, uh, idea of what is to come, then we're gonna, I think, have a pretty good show tonight. Yeah, and we did that totally on a landline phone too. So just yeah. for everybody out there who's <laughs> hip on cellular, it's not everything that's cracked up to be. But yeah, I completely agree. It was uh, I, I'm sitting there just taking notes and and uh, so let, let's get into this. So I think people remember before the pandemic as this kind of utopian time, like everything was great and everything was great for truckers. But tell me, let's kind of get into some areas. So so truck drivers. Things like um, where you eat, where you go to the bathroom, showers, places to overnight park, laundry, stuff like that. What did some of that stuff look like before the pandemic, before kind of 2020? So uh, pre-pandemic, uh, now th the most popular places were your your truck stops, your big uh, name areas such as the Flying J, Pilot, Loves, TA, Petro, all those Um now, if you were savvy at all, uh, you'd start figuring out where the mom and pop truck stops were because when you had trouble finding a place to park, uh, oftentimes those were a great place to try and dig out. And plus, uh, man, if you were looking for a place to eat or something, those were definitely going to be your uh, better places to find. Uh, as far as showers go, uh, there is a lot of different options. Again, uh you know, your major truck stops, you know, if you typically would fuel up uh, and get 50 gallons or more for every 50 gallons that you would get at, or sh shouldn't say every 50 gallons, but if you got 50 gallons or more of fuel at once, then you would get a free shower. So that's about how the showers work. There are some other ways. Um, remember uh, being here in Northwest PA, and if I ever had to travel across 80, uh, you go past the Embleton uh, Truck Service Plaza, but right near there was uh, a place that uh, if you, instead, instead of turning left towards the truck stop, I guess if you turned right and went up the hill, um, something about exotic dancers, and they offered free showers for truckers. Um, I never took them up on that. I, <laughs> wow. I yeah. So I mean, th there are places for drivers to get free showers, um, but uh, I I was one of those drivers where uh, I, I drove flatbed. So if I could sleep at my delivery the night before, uh, yeah. that's what I was doing. Then um, you know I had to take a thirty minute break at some point uh, during the day normally, and if I could 
tie that in to uh, stopping and getting fuel, then running in, grabbing a shower and whatnot, uh, just trying to maximize the time. So, um, yeah, when it comes to fuel and showers and whatnot, th- those kind of went hand in hand for a lot of drivers. Uh, the food aspect, you know, over in uh, Hubbard, Ohio, there is a Burger King that I'm pretty sure actually has a truck drive through, which um, became a big issue during the pandemic, unfortunately, uh, okay. which well, I'm sure we'll get into that uh, as we move towards that. But, um, you know, again, th- there if you were keen and kept your eyes peeled every once in a while, you, you find something alongside the road, um, you know, roadside barbecue stands that say, you know, Hey, truckers pull off in here and you know, you be able to stop grab a bite to eat. So, I mean, there is definitely options. So, so what would you say of those, uh, of bathrooms, uh, showers, places to park a laundry, which was probably the biggest, um, challenge before the pandemic? of those um parking at night okay parking at night so absolutely yeah so i think this is something to recognize because um as i see this framed and and i shared with you before we started the show you know there were articles that came out yesterday two from business insider two different authors um people are are kind of looking at and saying well here's issues we have to address (laughs) now with with over the road haulers and truckers and things like that and and uh, but I'm like, there's more to this, right? Because you're saying, you know, before this, we know that there weren't many places to park or enough places to park. And there were still issues with uh, uh, recognizing and appreciating over the road hauler. So before I get on with that, I want to um, give a shout out here to uh, Spambot Fodder. I know with a name like that, you think it's spam, but it's not. I actually know this person. He said, I just subbed to Guns of Barbecue. Yeah, I encourage everybody to go over. Right. And oh, thank sub- you. If uh, a bacon, if you're in here, or finesse, if you can drop drop the link, or I think uh, MK Joe's already done it. Thank you so much for doing that, uh, MK Joe. I'm actually um, I'm going to make that the pin tweet here. So let me uh, just do the yeah. magic I need to do to to make that happen here. So thank you so much, MK, MK Joe. Joe is a terrific guy. He's actually Absolutely. the one that got in contact with me. He's like, hey, safety doc's looking to talk to a truck driver. I was like, well, I'm not. Actively driving anymore for obvious reasons, but I figured, hey, I'll, I'll reach out to you, see if I could be of any assistance, and well, here I am. Yeah, MK Joe's been absolutely, absolutely great. So I do have it up as the yeah, great from uh, from MK Joe. So yes, that is Guns and Barbecue channel. So he needed 140 uh, to get to a thousand coming into this. So uh, and your your channel is is terrific, right? So like every night as I'm well, doing, thank you. I'm working like I've got three monitors in front of me on the right hand monitor. I'm like, is Guns Barbecue doing a show tonight? Yep. Okay, that's on over here. So, um, so yeah, I appreciate it. And, and get over there, subscribe to Guns and, and Barbecue. Let's get them to a thousand. Um, and I say that because you're going to rock it past a thousand. I mean, your just content is so great. But uh, yeah, thank so, you very much. Uh, so let's see if we. Uh, so right now. Um, there's something else. It started in 2017. So uh, truck driving before 2017, people are probably familiar with uh, truck drivers need to keep logbooks of how much they drove, yes. their brakes and, and you know, sleep, things like that. Um, that. That changed in December of 2017. It became ELD or electronic device. I don't know if it's load device. I don't know what the L stands for. But anyway, um, trucks were 
the trucks that were manufactured after the year 2000 had to have this device on, which measured when the truck was in motion, um, how much time it was in motion. Um, so tell me about this whole thing of ELD and, and what that meant for you as a trucker. Well, uh, there's a couple ironic things with the ELD mandate. One, um, it, it was a reason for a mass exodus of drivers. Uh, when I was driving, which it's been not quite four years since I was last behind the wheel of a semi, uh, but when I was still able to drive, the average age of a truck driver was 55 years old. Um, wow. Yeah. Now, and when you're talking about an industry that is really needing drivers, and mind you, at that time, there was an estimated uh, driver shortage of about 95,000 drivers oh at that God. time. Okay, yeah. So um, when this e-log mandate came out, you had a lot of drivers that been behind the wheel 20, 30 years said, I don't need no stinking computer to ch to tell me how to run <laughs> <Right>. my truck. <laughs> right. And they they just... They hung up their keys, said, I'm done. Uh, and that made a big issue. Uh, so while there was a mass exodus of drivers who just said, I'm done, uh, it still made a lot of issues, especially going back to that um, idea of parking at night. Because now, in a sense, you had everybody starting at the same time and you had everybody ending at the same time. And uh, it was a lot harder for guys to run the way they wanted to. Because uh, if you had a hard time of, hey, you, you know, this load needs delivered at 9 a.m. And with the way the company was setting up your stuff uh, to leave and things like that, if you're a company driver, of course, uh, if you were an owner operator, you had a little bit more leeway. And you can choose your loads, things like that. But um, with that being said, again, uh, for company drivers, it, it really congested things and you know, it got to a point where after that e-log mandate went in place, you, you, you had to be in the truck stops by 3 p.m. Well, 3 uh, p.m., okay. Yeah, to hopefully be getting a spot. Uh, by 4 or 5, you are probably parking along a curb somewhere. So uh, that created a big parking issue. Um, then the one thing I always like to ask people is, uh, what would you say if anybody came over to your house and said, hey, you need to go to bed right now? Right. <laughs> You'd look at them like they're crazy. Like, what are you talking about? Uh, you know, I, I'm my own person. I, I'm responsible for myself. I can tell if I'm tired or not. I can be safe, whatever the heck I need to do. And, you know, I'll go to bed when I'm ready to go to bed. But that's not the way it works for truck drivers. Uh, our government feels that they can just tell truckers when they're tired, when they're not tired, things like that. And uh, the e-log mandate, again, really exacerbated things like that because uh, what a lot of people don't realize is truckers have a 14-hour clock. Once that okay. clock starts, it doesn't, it doesn't stop. And once that 14 hours is up, your day is up. So if you drove six hours or 11 hours, because you can only drive up to 11 hours in a day. Okay, gotcha. So you get three hours on duty time. Um, and then with that three hours on duty time, 30 minutes of that is already eaten up by that 30-minute break that you're going to have to take at some point today. So really you only have two and a half hours free time because the government is like, oh, 30 minutes of that is already taken. Uh, good luck. So there's an issue there. Um, so then when you move into, 
again, the driving, things like that. Let, let's say I was going from uh, my, my hometown here in PA, which they said Northwest PA, and I was going to go to Omaha, Nebraska, for instance. That's a, about a 16-hour trip. Well, if I'm just driving straight through, um, I'm only going to use 11 and a half hours of my 14-hour on-duty time because I've got 11 hours that I'm driving plus that 30-minute break. Um, so you figure plus pre-trip and post-trip will add in another half hour with everything uh, if you're doing it the way DOT technically would like you to do. So you've been up for a total of 12 hours. Now, if you're trying to maximize your time, then what you're going to want to do is try and then, after only being up for 12 hours, go jump in your sleeper berth and go to bed. But how many people here can say, oh, yeah, after only being up for 12 hours, I can just go right back to sleep and, you know, sleep like a baby and uh, get a good solid night's rest and be up and ready to go and be able to drive safe the next day. Um, So, again, there's that issue where... uh, Drivers are, you know, we're not given the ability to run our lives. The government thinks that they've got to micromanage everything in that aspect. Now, the e-log mandate, this rolled out right before I uh, lost my vision. And it was, there were a lot of things circulating around with it. One of the things was uh, you used to be able to just kind of creep along through places as long as you normally kept the truck under uh 20 or 25 mile an hour and didn't drive over one mile distance so there was times you could you know sneak around places if you had to without starting your clock it was really nice and then uh it was said that the e-log mandate when that came out uh dot was hip to this and they were going to make it where once the wheels on the truck moved. So, I mean, if they right. turned, you know, an uh, eighth of a turn, uh, it would automatically kick your truck on duty. So, uh, and that created another issue because now, let's say you're somewhere where, hey, I ended up having to park along the curb. I didn't want to, but there was nowhere to park. My time was up. It was either violate federal law or it was you know, park here. So I chose the ladder and now I've got a police officer knocking on my door saying, Hey, you need to move this. Oh, well, great. I'm eight hours into my break and now I've got to go move my truck. And the second I move it, now I've got to go and restart my 10 hour break. So like I said, I was just eight hours into it, but now everything got messed up because I had to go and move my truck. Um, and with the way the uh, new e-log system and the uh, systems that are tracking everything work, you know, like I said, that kicks you on duty and you're, uh, for lack of better terms, hosed at that point. Right. So now right. you're stuck doing an 18-hour break. And I'm sorry, but who here can sleep for 18 hours? So now you are already asleep for eight hours. You got some cop knocking on your door. Hopefully he doesn't give you a ticket, which I've experienced this. Um, uh, and I was given a $200 fine because I parked in front of a sign that said no parking. I didn't have a choice. It was that or violate federal law. And well, you choose the lesser of two evils. Um, but so I go and, uh, you know, now drivers are having to, like I said, now you're 
stuck there doing an 18 hour break. Well, now you're already behind the eight ball. You're trying to catch up things like that. You've been up for how long now when that 10 hours finally ends and now you're driving tired again. Um, and there, there's a lot of things that the government with the e-log mandate didn't take into effect. What they really did take into effect is that it was supposed to be cost saving for the industry. Right. Um, I believe the number was one or $2 billion in paperwork that it would save. That's, and that's what the bottom line was, was money. It wasn't about drivers or their safety or well-being. It was about saving money in paperwork. That's crazy. I'm going to bring up uh, yeah. that article right now, um, Jonathan. So this is, um, so, and by the way, people have been posting uh, in the chat and have been asking, hey, how can I subscribe to Guns and Barbecue? And I do have it as the post, as the uh, pinned tweet uh, by MK Joe. So just check that out. So thank you so much. Um, so this is the article um, yesterday from Grace Dean from Business Insider. Truckers say electronic device that measures the hours, what you're talking about, the ELD. They drive each day, sometimes leaves them stranded just 30 minutes from home. So, you know, going through this, it's like, hey, <laughs> you know, this this is, you know, getting kind of crazy for us, right? Mm -hmm. So what is your thought if if this truck driver right here is, he's saying, hey, like, because this ELD sometimes like, yeah, I'm, I'm 30 minutes from home and suddenly, yeah, it says your time is up and, and whatever. So again, this was posted just yesterday by business insider um so yeah help us to understand a well, little more of how this works and how it probably worked before 2017 with paper logs and yeah well uh i mean because even before 2017 there is electronic logs and excuse me but uh the electronic logs that i ran with the company that i was with they weren't electronic logs in the true sense that uh, they have electronic logs now. I mean, everything was monitored electronically. It was done by the truck. Um, you know, I'd have to go in manually and put in if I was going off duty or sleeper berth, which you still have to do. <clears throat> but uh, there would be times where I'd be getting close to home and I'd be like, man, it's going to be really close here. And uh, at least when I was driving, there were some tricks that we could do. Um, a uh, buddy of mine have, had figured out that, oh, hey, if you pull over and uh, just restart your Qualcomm, which we figured out it took about seven minutes to have the Qualcomm restart. And then once you hit that button to restart it, you just start driving again and it's not picking up anything. Um, so we would log off duty and uh start driving again and then when it starts getting if we're still need a little bit more time when it starts getting close uh you know pull pull off on the side of the highway hopefully we're at least to the ramp that we wanted to make it to and do the same thing uh restart the qualcomm again and normally that could buy you enough time to get home um now i was fortunate enough where i lived about 15 20 minutes from a rest area so if i was running that short I could park at one of the rest areas and have my uh, children's mother come pick me up and uh, take me home, which was nice. And then just, you know, leave the truck at the rest area all weekend. Um, there was other times where I was just like, you know, what, I'm going home. Uh, and 
you would just call into your safety department and say, hey, uh, you know, I, I went to park at the truck stop here and you, you'd make it look good. You know, you, you, you would actually pull off into the truck stop and drive real slow because they can monitor all of that uh, with okay. the different sensors that they have on the truck and GPS and everything else. I mean, there's so much they can check out. Um, so I would just pull off real slow and go through the truck stop and be like, man, there is no parking. I had to, you know, I just, I had to violate my hours and go home. Uh, you know, it, it was typically going over by five minutes and, uh, sometimes they would give you a slap on the wrist. Sometimes they would take a, you know, hundred some dollar bonus from you, uh, depending on who you were. And if you were a habitual offender, things like that, I'm really sorry about my dog, uh, whining oh, <laughs> here. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so there, there's issues like that. And if, uh, even today, um, I don't think that Qualcomm trick that I was talking about works anymore. And Qualcomm's just one of the right. brands of e-logs. But, uh, yeah, I, don't, I, I think it was figured out and, uh, you know, that bug, you could call, call it, was done away with. Right. But uh, for a lot of guys, it, it, it's a choice. You know, do you violate your hours and go home or do you not? Because well, at that point, if you're 30 minutes from home, right, you knew right. a couple hours ago that you probably weren't going to make it and you're going to stretch it. So, uh, and at that point, you, you know, you're rolling the dice then. And if you're going to violate by 30 minutes or so, uh, if DOT catches that, whether it's when they are just pulling you over for a random inspection or, uh, you know, they could be doing an audit of your company's logs, which I, there's guys that get hemmed up uh, later on because DOT comes in and does an audit for some reason and they just happened on to something and, you know, oh, this guy had a violation and, you know, then they want to go back and hit you for a log violation from a year and a half prior. What's the consequence of that? So what's the consequence for you and maybe like for your employer? If And how are you told about that ahead of time of saying, hey, you know, Jonathan, if you, you know, aren't compliant with ELD, here's what could happen to us. Here's what could happen to you. Or is it something that's less talked about in the industry? Or tell me about that. So as far as the auditing, I, I'm not exactly sure how that goes. Um, being a company driver didn't really have to worry about it. Now you're supposed to keep your logs for minimum two years and okay. the company keeps them for that long as well. And, uh, I remember uh, there was one time my Qualcomm went down and I got to run paper and there might be a bit of a reason that, uh, the FMCSA wanted drivers to, be on e-logs because when I got to run paper, I'm, I mean, there should be a statute of limitations. There's definitely no more logs for me floating around out there to worry about. So as far as DOT is concerned, I'm just, uh, blowing smoke. Uh, but you know, I, I may have done some sketchy stuff and, uh, you know, the company that I was working for, you know, there was a load that I was on, and I was like, hey, I'm not going to make this. They're like, well, you, you are on paper right now. And I just said, say no more. And they knew I was, I, I would run. And for the next two weeks, they took full advantage of that. And I was happy to do it too, because it was good money. But um, it's really easy to cheat paper. And okay. that creates a bit of an issue. But again, uh, it went back to, I, I, I drove responsibly. I was able to make decisions that 
um, you know, I was able to say, hey, I'm not tired. I can keep running. Um, right. And likewise, right. if I was tired, I just I shut down and I was responsible. Um, but yeah, so it, it was funny because it was several months later. Uh, the safety department called me. They're like, "Hey, we're missing some logs from uh, okay. when you know <laughs> you, you, when your uh, Qualcomm was down." Uh, and I was just like, "Hey, so and so, you don't want to see those." And he's like, "What?" I was like, "Trust me, you don't want to see those." And right. having the position that I did there, being a top runner, things like that, um, th- th- things were overlooked. Uh, you know. Like I said, if you were a guy that ran, you made money, you didn't uh, violate things all the time, things like that. Um, you know, they took care of you because you took care of them. Uh, and I uh, emphasized again, you're not going to want to see those. And he said, "Say no, mo- say no more." And okay. uh, that was, okay. that, you know, it was never spoken of again. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, um, as far as violations go with dot even with e-logs now um you know you you'll get uh fine of some sorts um you'll get points on your uh, csa score uh which could adversely affect any employment in the future uh the csa score uh some things i think um it's just this i don't want to say made up because i mean there's a rhyme and reason to it i uh, it's basically, uh, I'm trying to think of exactly what it stands for. Uh, something safety anyways, uh, it's supposed to be representative of how safe you are as a driver. Okay, sure, sure. So, uh, you know, do you have any accidents, speeding tickets, um, any other moving violations? Um, do you have any violations with your logs, et cetera? And the more severe, the higher the infraction would be. And it, it's a way for companies to take a quick look at a driver and go, ooh, we, we don't even want to waste the time interviewing this guy. Or make them go, oh, wow, you know, this guy's been driving for X amount of years and he's got a zero. Uh, you know, we definitely want to talk to this guy. So um, likewise, uh, companies have CSA scores, things like that. And those scores are actually open to the public, which oh. gets gets a little funny because you'll have people that are looking to scam uh, companies right. and they'll look for companies that have a higher CSA score and, you know, all of a sudden something happens with them and that company and, uh, you know, court settlements happen and it, it's really unfortunate. Uh, or what's even worse is they'll just call and say, "Hey, your driver just did this to me," and they'll, they'll just dish out money. So is that where they have the thing on the back of the truck saying, "Dial one eight hundred whatever"? Of yeah, how was my driving? How was my driving? <laughs> okay, that is um, that is crazy. I'm adding this to stream. So this is the CSA um, website. Yeah, so driver safety education, and I didn't know that. Right, that you could. Right, if someone is is doing a concerted effort to try to decrease your ability to have employment in the future, they could just like yeah contact um, and make a, a report here. So, oh my god, that's okay. And like I said, the, the bigger issue is uh, people that you know because they you might see Swift truck going down the highway. Well, if you happen to look up Swift CSA score and went, oh man, they're terrible. 
you could just call in and be like, hey, your driver just ripped off my mirror. And uh, I'm not saying that Swift's going to just give you money, but chances are if you're just willing to say, hey, um, you know, here's a bill and I'm, I'm not going to see you guys all that, send me 500 bucks. They're just going to send you the 500 bucks. Um, and meanwhile, you never did a thing. Oh my God. That is horrible. It is. That is. Wow. So like the CSA scores can be really good, but, uh, there's people that have figured out that there is a uh, nefarious use for them. So we, we have a question, uh, Jonathan, it's from uh, DJ play night. So DJ, thank you for submitting this question. And he's asking how common was, or is it to flaunt regulations as barbecue and, and drivers here have indicated such as log books, I guess, like how common was that to in the industry to modify the, the log books? Um, from when it was paper, uh, if you talk to old school driver, he would tell you about the three log books he kept. Okay. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, so it, it was a very commonly known thing and every once in a while you get, uh, DOT officer that was like, yeah, I, I, I like this one that looks good, but I want to see, uh, the other one that you have and you kind of be like, all right, fine. Um, now, when it came to e-logs, it made it a lot harder to cheat. But at the same time, uh, back when I was still, before the e-logs became what they are today, back when I was driving and the e-logs were what they were, um, there is still a lot that you could mess with with those. Um, where uh, they didn't like you doing, quote-unquote, edits to okay. your e-logs but right. uh if you looked at my e-logs i edited all the time part of that was just because i would get to a customer and i would get out get unloaded and then if i'm waiting on another load or something i'm just chilling out and if i forgot to mark myself off duty or something i'm sitting there on duty that whole time uh then i've got to go in and edit it and make it correct so uh there's times where i'm editing to make corrections there may have may not have been times where I was editing to, you know, try and squeeze out every last minute that I could to make sure that I made it home. Wow. Wow. So two things come to mind before we move on to our next section. And one is, have you seen the movie Smoking the Bandit? Yes. Okay. So yes. <laughs> and I, I definitely think, Jonathan, you would participate in that um, to try to Absolutely. Uh, get the cores, um, yes, where it needs to go within the set amount of time. All right, so Smoking the Bandit. And uh, and yeah, obviously the Cannonball Run. Uh, but wow, okay, so those were the two, Smoking the Bandit and Cannonball Run. Um, so let, let, let's move on to, this is, this is excellent, thank you so much. Um, during the pandemic, so really it's kind of March of 2020 is when everything yep. just kind of um, falls apart in, in the US, right? So it was actually on March 13th, 2020, that the U.S. Department of Transportation issued an emergency relief declaration for truck drivers. And, and a few things that they put in that declaration is one is um, if you have your credentials and they're expiring, just keep on driving. Like, don't worry about having yep. to renew them. Just keep on driving. Second one was don't worry about the 30 minute break. If you're driving 11 hours, like you don't have to take a break. And the and there were many others, but one of the other things was the 60-70 rule, which I'm not very familiar with, and maybe you can help enlighten us on that. But yep. so so basically, I, I'm going to just kind of encapsulate this from my non-truck driver perspective, but it is um, 
March of 2020, the government's saying, hey, truck drivers, like you can carry more, you can do longer hours because you're an essential employee. Um, and if anything was kind of ancillary, if it was kind of related to medical needs or essential needs, um, if you're carrying that cargo, go for it. And so I'm looking at this and saying, okay, like what I want to get from you right now is just what that what your perception was of, of that for 2020. And then, um, you know, the thing is, this really strikes me because I, I did a search um, and I'm trying to find like, so what was happening in 2020, March of 2020 for truck drivers, like from the government? And I only found one article and it was from Arizona, where Arizona took two waysides that had been closed and they started them back into operation and limited hours and said, hey, truckers, come here. We've got bathrooms. We've got some food for you and stuff like that. But I'm like, holy smokes, like that's completely insufficient. Yeah. But anyway, I want to get your perspective on what what changed during the pandemic. What then were truckers, I don't know, either allowed to do or told to do. And then we're going to kind of break. And also like also what changed as far as like places to eat during the pandemic places to use the bathrooms, places to use yeah. shower, laundry, lodging. So, so tell me about when the, you know, pandemic, what, what happens then? So, you know, you brought up the um, hours of service, the waving of the 30 minutes uh, break, all, all those things. And it's ironic that the government waived those things when what? those things are in place because, you know, they're supposed to be... I'm really sorry about that. Well, it's okay. Uh, it's okay. Man, let's say. <laughs> we have, we have pets. We love them, man. Yeah. So they're all welcome. Here, uh, so, so um, but, you know, all, all those things are supposed to be in place as safety measures. But this happens, and those things are no longer safety concerns. Uh, that in itself seems a little contradictory. Uh, as far as, yeah. um, oh, sorry, what? Okay. Oh yeah, completely. Like the, they're saying, you know, we have we have these play, you know, ELD, and we have these these uh, restrictions in place or these guide, not mm-hmm. guidelines, these mandates. And and by the way, we're going to waive those during a pandemic. And and part of it was like, right, so it's fatigue and and all of these issues. And yeah. It's like no, just like, <laughs> uh, so so I just found this huge irony, right, that all of these. Um, efforts to increase safety were relaxed during the pandemic and nothing kind of put in place then to replace that or bolster safety. But, but yeah, that's it. And and so, yeah, uh, uh, please like, you know, tell us about, you know, how the 30 minute rule change a 60, 70 hour rule, what what that means. And and the ironic thing is, because if you're going to use the excuse of, oh, well, you know, there was less vehicles on the road, you know, we didn't have all the other drivers, which, um, I had a safety director that used to put, put it to us this way. And that is, you know, you're, you're, you're a professional. When you get a CDL, you're getting something on your driver's license that, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, that marks you as being a professional at this. Uh, and nowhere else do you go. Do you get to go on the basketball court Le- with LeBron James? You don't get to go on the football field with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, as an amateur you don't get to do that and as a truck driver you're a professional where there's a bunch of amateurs in your playing field 
And so if they're going to use the excuse, well, you know, there was less vehicles on the road, things like that. That's why we could realize, well, at that point, you're restricting the wrong people because the people who are professional, who are uh, the ones that are able to do this in a safe manner are the ones that you're penalizing. So like I said, there's a contradictory element there. Right. Right. Uh, (laughs) And a little known fact, 85% of accidents involving a tractor trailer and what we like to call a four wheeler, just you know your standard uh, grocery getter or whatnot. Eighty five percent of those accidents are the fault of the person in the four wheeler. I didn't know that. Oh my god! Yes. Okay. Yes. So, um, you know, it seems like maybe uh, the government. You know, again, if we're saying these. Uh, measures are for safety, perhaps we should be looking at where we're actually placing the safety measures and on who. So um, as far as um, when 2020 happened, I remember here in PA, our governor uh, shut down all the rest areas. So uh, what was already a hard uh, thing to do, you know, such as finding parking became even harder. Uh, A lot of the truck stops, wouldn't let you inside to do any business. You know, it was just at the pump, uh, getting fuel, things like that. So all of a sudden, you know, your basic uh, amenities of, you know, grabbing a shower and a cup of coffee in the morning or something like that, um, going and, you know, doing laundry, uh, those became a very hard task. And if you were a driver that was on the road for three, four or five weeks at a time, um, you know, you're not keeping five weeks worth of laundry in your truck. One, that's, that's weight. Um, and at the end of the day, right. you're trying to limit the, how much you're carrying, uh, as possible. That way you can carry more on your truck. So if you're carrying five weeks worth of laundry, then, you know, that, while that might only be a couple hundred pounds, that's still a couple hundred pounds of freight that you're not carrying. So, uh, that created a bit of a, of an issue, um, like I said, getting food, uh, that became a big issue going back to that, uh, Burger King, um, right, right. in Hubbard, Ohio, uh, they stopped the truck drive through and they wouldn't let drivers just walk through the drive through. And of course all the lobbies were shut down so they couldn't go inside and order. Um, so, you know, guys were just having to flag down motorists and be like, Hey, you know, can you go through the regular drive through here and, you know, uh, get me this or that, uh, which my buddy was telling me, you know, he, he actually did that a few times there and there were several, uh, amazing people who said, Hey, you know, I'm not taking your money. What do you want? And they, they, nice. you know, they buy their lunch or something like that. So that's pretty Very awesome nice. there. Um, but it still creates a big issue for drivers when when you can't find those things, and now not not only are you having to um, pack maybe extra clothes, but now you're having to pack extra food. And the thing is, how much extra food can you really take? Um, yeah, you can get if you are fortunate enough to have a microwave and things like that in your truck, then yeah, there's things that you can take along with you, like microwavable soup, things like that. But at the end of the day, do you really want to live off those for several weeks? Um, You know, stuff like that gets old. So um, not only that, but I mean, trying to find anything in the grocery store was getting tough. Uh, 
I mean, there's so many things where uh, our infrastructure got stretched thin, but um, drivers were just told, suck it up, go do your job. I mean, that's horrible. So, so your access to places to eat is restricted. Uh, bathrooms, showers, laundry. And, and so I'm going to add in this other part too. So, so you, you deliver a load and there's something called um, the lumper or lumping, right? Yes. Which is, is the person or persons responsible for taking the load from the truck into the warehouse, for example, or the, the loading area. But that changed during 2020, during the pandemic. So tell us about lumper what a lumper is and then also how this whole thing changed and then also right like because if the driver was doing the role of the lumper or transporting the the goods from the vehicle to the the warehouse they were getting paid for that but that wasn't happening in the pandemic so um yeah tell us about that so i'd always like to mess with guys i i drove flatbed for five years and absolutely loved it and i'd when I had trainees, they'd ask me, oh, what's the difference you know, if I drove van? I'm like, well, if you want to drive van, you just want to sit there and open doors and hold a wheel, then you're, you're going to get paid accordingly. If you want to do work, then you're going to get paid accordingly. Um, and there's van drivers out there who unload their own trailers, and they get paid accordingly, and they make some good money doing it. Uh, and when the pandemic happened, now, lumpers have always been a thing. And what a lumper is is somebody that you pay to unload your trailer for you. Now, um, from what I understand, costs will vary. You know, there's no set standard, uh, but it can be anywhere from I've heard as low as two hundred dollars upwards of six, seven hundred, depending on where you're going, what the freight is, things like that. And you know, it also depends on you know, are they pulling up a bunch of pallets? Is it loose pick? Things like that. So it, it'll vary. But um, when the pandemic happened, now you didn't have a choice places one they weren't letting you in now there is always an issue like say you're at a customer and you wanted to go in and use their bathroom um a lot of places wouldn't let you do that because unfortunately that in this industry um believe it or not there are people who are slobs we're just gonna throw it out there there's some people who are slobs and they would go into a customer's uh bathroom and uh they decide to take a bath in the sink or something they leave a bunch of dirty water droplets all over the place and all over the floor um or you'd be like you're you're supposed to sit down when you do that but it you you got it everywhere and they don't clean it up is the problem and you know then the customer has to pay one of their employees to go in clean up after this nasty individual and so what their solution would be is all right no more truck drivers using this bathroom um and so that became a problem even before pre-pandemic. But once the pandemic happened, even the places that were nice enough to let you use those facilities wouldn't let you. And then going back to the lumper aspect, um, the places that would allow you to unload your own truck before, because again, we'll just say an average of $400 uh, for a lumper. Um, well, okay. If you're saving yourself $400 right. uh, each trailer load, that's $400 in your pocket. You know, so now you're having to go and you don't get that choice. It's just you're going to pay that lumper $400. You don't get to unload your trailer and you don't get a say in it, which there are some places pre pandemic that were like that. They're just, you'd have to pay the lumper. And uh, at that point, you'd have the choice. Well, I'm not paying the lumper. I'll just take this load back or 
uh, you just say, all right, well, I'll pay him this one time and I'm never picking this load up again. Um, so there was things like that. But so let's say you, again, you're a company driver and your company pays you say 200, $250 to unload, unload the trailer. Well, they're still saving $150, uh, by you unloading that trailer rather than the lumper. Well, if they've got to pay the lumper $400 now, well, guess who's not making that 250? That's the driver. Right. So, absolutely. Um, now that's not only are you without amenities, you're not, you're, you're having trouble finding food. You're, uh, being told all these measures that are for your safety and everybody else around you. Uh, we're just going to wave because, um, you know, the freight getting from point A to point B is far more important than your safety. Uh, now, you're losing income. Uh, and for some of these drivers, they would unload three, four trailers a week. So you're talking somewhere between like 750 bucks, right? and a thousand bucks right. that, that they're losing out of their pocket. A so week. that's something, Jonathan, if I'm correct. So during the pandemic, you know, places were saying, stay in the truck, you know, because yeah, if you, if you come over here, then we don't know mm-hmm. or what we're being told by our safety folks for cross contamination and things like that. So they're saying, stay in the truck. You're like, Hey, like, so this is a thousand dollars out of my pocket this week because I'm being told to stay in the truck and someone else is, is taking the freight off. Oh my God. That's, yeah, that's crazy. Well, and the crazier thing about it is, so, I mean, literally what they're telling these drivers to do now is you back up to the door that you're supposed to be going to. You'll get lined up with it and whatnot. You'll go open your trailer doors, leave the bills of lading on the uh, floor of the trailer, back up to the door that you're supposed to uh, be bumping now, bump it. Then you have to call in and say, hey, I'm ready for you guys to unload me. And then they'll go, they'll unload you, do all that fun jazz. And then they just leave the bills after you're all done getting unloaded, signed, and leave them right on the uh, floor of the trailer. Which I'm still like, well, if it's that big (laughs) of an issue, I feel like you'd be worried that just... Hey, he just touched those. What what if he coughed on him before he decided to lay, lay him on the trailer? I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's some vindictive driver out there. I, 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 we're not all angels. So uh, I'm sure there's somebody that was like, I'm, I'm not feeling well today. I'm coughing on these. I'm tired of this crap. Right. It's just crazy, right? Or did they use some like UV light dance yeah. they were doing when they did it in this? <laughs> and they sprayed it down with Lysol and you come in and you're like, oh, my God. So. You know, I want to I want to share a post by uh, Alex uh, Patino. Alex uh, said he was at a Wendy's in St. George, Utah, and they closed everything and could not even o- order Uber Eats or walk through at the wow. drive through. So yeah, so this this stuff gets crazy, and mm-hmm. it, and so you know, so I think what we've established so far is like you know there were there were issues prior to the pandemic um, that were uh, interfering with the efficiency of truck drivers, such as yes, not enough parking spaces. Um, you know, was one, the ELD system, which uh, electronic um, um, device. So monitoring when the truck was in motion, that went in, in place in 2017. That still has some issues to be worked out with it. Um, so let's get into this. You were, you were telling me um, the story about, um, I, I think it was, a, you actually, you couldn't find any place to park, right? And yes. the ELD system <laughs> is shutting you down and saying, hey, you got to take your break now. Um, or you got to you know, rest now. Ed, you parked underneath or, or close to a sign that said, hey, here's a $200 fine if you park here. You woke up in the morning, you checked, and 
I guess underneath your windshield wiper, there's a fine for $200. Well, Tell me about that process. Um, because this is, and it's actually an article that was released um, by Hannah Toey of Business Insider yesterday. And she said, hey, this whole thing of like infrastructure and stuff, like that's great, but we don't have places for park uh, truck drivers to park and they're getting these fines. They're not going to go to court and, and fight these because it would mean you know, they have to take a day off of work to fight a $200 fine. This doesn't make sense. So tell me about your thoughts on this. So uh, I was running down through Virginia and I was, by the time I got stopped, I was just outside of Troutville. Now there was three big name truck stops. Uh, one was a TA. I think the others were a flying J and a pilot uh, along the way. And I had stopped at each of those with, mm, about, I don't know, probably an hour, maybe 45 minutes left on my clock. And every one of those was packed. Uh, and, of course, like so many uh, truck stops nowadays, they had signs up along the curbs and whatnot saying no parking here, et cetera, et cetera. And I was finding by that time, if a truck stop had that sign up, chances are you're going to get woken up in the morning. And uh, sometimes it was by local uh, PD that was coming around and waking you up. Sometimes it was just a worker for the truck stop coming out saying, hey, you can't park here. Uh, scram. Uh, which, I mean, if you're getting woken up at 5, 6 a.m. to move your truck, the nice thing was by then there was parking. But the last thing you want to do is try and friggin' uh, park a semi in a tight spot when you're three quarters of the way asleep still. Um, so that, that's a little rough. Uh, but so I check out all three of these truck stops, nowhere to park. I'm like, uh, so as I had a little, uh, truck stop, po uh, pocket guide, I think is what it's called. It's actually a neat little handy book because, um, it goes, by state alphabetically and then it's got the different interstates in that state by um numeration so say you know you're in pa it might start off with uh i i-79 then you'll have i-80 then i-81 and uh, you know there's different other ones in there so uh but if you were looking for a place, that, that's how I would find a lot of the mom and pop truck stops that I did uh, okay. Okay. was using that book. So I had pulled that out because I was like, I, I'm getting down to the nitty gritty here. And it's like, oh, hey, at this mile marker, there's a rest area. I'm like, okay, cool. I was like, I'm not going to hold my breath, but cool. So I am getting down to the rest area. And uh, by the time I get there, I've only got minutes left. And I, there's one spot that I can parallel park in, but it's going to put me smack dab in front of a no parking sign. Well, I've got two options. I violate this local ordinance right. or I violate federal law. Okay. You know, which one has more weight? Uh, which one's going to uh, have a more adverse effect on my job? So uh, I naturally go with the lesser two evils and I park in front of the sign uh, along with about 
eight, nine other drivers who are doing the exact same thing because there's not enough parking. Okay. And sure enough, 7 a.m. comes around and, you know, I get the old pound on the door and they, they never do it nicely. I mean, when I say pound on the door, that you think they're trying to break into the truck. Um, and after the first or second time that ever happens, you, you just kind of get used to that sound. You're like, oh, crap. Um, right. right. So I leave my sleeper berth, which now tactically I'm supposed to be logging on duty. Uh, and there's a Virginia state trooper there and he's like, you need to move your truck, blah, blah, blah. And all this fun jazz. And, uh, uh, yep, yep, yep. And sure enough, he gives me a $200 fine. And I, you know, I, I'm talking to him. He, I mean, he was nice enough to actually talk to me. Most of them just hand you your ticket and, uh, move on to the next. And he's always oh, a big safety issue, you know, when you've seen as many people uh, dead uh, in accidents along these ramps. I'm like, I, I, I've been at it for five years, right. never, never seen one right. accident along a ramp for a rest area, let alone. I was like, OK, you know, feel like you're grasping at straws, but, uh, you know. $200 fine later and at that point you got the option you can try and go back in court to fight it which uh, you know it's just a parking violation so there's no points on your license it doesn't get you any CSA score um, it's just a matter of do you want to pay $200 fine well right. it's at that point you know I was usually pulling in about $300 a day on average driving truck so if I decided that I didn't want to pay that $200 you know just say based on principle well that meant that i was going to lose money uh that day because i'd have to eventually get back down there so it'd either be taking a day off of work and telling my company hey i've got to go and fight this or getting them to get me down in that area then you know calling an uber to come pick me up and take me to uh the courthouse and then paying an uber to go back um you know all kinds of headaches. Either way, you're going to lose more money than the ticket was worth. Uh, and the thing is, they know what they're doing. It, but they don't care. They don't care that you don't have enough parking. Uh, all they're worried about is the revenue. It's, uh, in a sense, it's legal extortion. It's, let me. I'm going to bring up an article right now. Uh, so this one is from yesterday. It's by uh, Hannah Toey. Again, from Business Insider. So I don't know what was happening, Jonathan, yesterday at Business Insider, but they're like, hey, yeah. you got to come in on a Sunday. <laughs> got a hell of a lot of stuff to, for you to do, and it's focused all on truckers. But um, So the headline here is, truck drivers say President Biden's $2 trillion infrastructure plan overlooks parking at critical need for breaks and sleep, which you've just indicated. So there's an article mm -hmm. inside of that, and it says, for years, like you know, truck drivers have said, there just aren't enough places to park. And so we end up parking in places where we know um, there's a high likelihood of fines. And then as you kind of indicated too, like there's this burned, or maybe it wasn't the discussion we had, there's this kind of burned bridge between um, truckers and maybe parking at some places because they've left a oh, yes. jug of urine out in you know the parking lot that somebody has to clean up or you know, baggy garbage or something like that. But but ultimately, you know, I, again, I'm going to just bring this article uh, back up, is this this really hits it on, you know, the nail on the head because it's saying, well, yeah, we can improve bridges and roads and things like that, but if we are transporting as a society, right, and we're becoming more of an Amazon-type society of, 
of uh, transporting things by by truck, um, over the road hauling. We have to provide places for people to park the trucks, right? <laughs> and, and not that they're going to wake up and be like, oh my goodness, I have a $200 ticket or something mm-hmm. else has happened. And, and this bill did not include that. So I thought this was a very timely article. Again, it was yesterday uh, to make people aware of this. So, um, so yeah, you know, your, your experience with that, I think, is, is spot on, right? Because people, I drive down the interstate, for example, and I look and I, and I see the sign and it says, I don't know what this means, by the way. It says like 22 and then like maybe 30 or something. I don't know if it's 22 occupied, 30 open. And, oh, yeah. And we have truck drive. Uh, we have these way, waysides where truck drivers can stay overnight. But I'm kind of looking at that and thinking there should be like a lot of spaces, right? <laughs> because it's just opening up more land. It's just making these spaces available. And and uh, but yeah, I don't think people realize that you know for truck drivers to find a space to stay overnight is it is difficult. And and weren't you saying like um, for example, if it was a Dollar General or Home Depot, maybe truck drivers can, you know, if they're delivering there, maybe they can also. You know, stay over yeah, there, there were some tricks to it. Okay. <laughs> um, so one, uh, when I first started truck driving, uh, the company that I was with, uh, I was on a Dollar Tree dedicated account. So if I was for some reason going to be finding myself in a bit of a pickle and I needed a place to sleep, I could, you know, maybe pull over real quick and Google the closest Dollar Tree. And then just go park there if it wasn't going to be very far. And if anybody come up and said, hey, you can't park here because a lot of shopping centers now, uh, Walmarts, things like that, which, I mean, you'll sometimes find Walmarts uh, or, excuse me, Dollar Trees uh, very close to a Walmart. Uh, And, you know, if they have no parking signs for trucks or anything like that. And, you know, they'll they'll kick you out, have your truck towed, things like that. But if you're able to go, hey, hey, I've got a delivery with Dollar Tree at, you know, 4 a.m., then they leave you alone. Uh, and likewise, okay. when I was driving flatbed, um, you know, we would deliver all the time to Lowe's and Home Depot, things like that. So, you know, that was another great aspect where I could just, um, once I started driving flatbed, I could look at places like Lowe's and Home Depot and be like, okay, there's plenty of these around. I can just pull off at one of these. Um, but you know, not all drivers have that luxury, uh, you know, uh, Going back to what you're talking about with, uh, you know, parking at some places like that, such as Walmart. Uh, unfortunately, you know, like I stated before, some drivers are slobs and they were leaving bottles of urine and bags of trash and things like that just in the parking lot right next to where uh, they had parked. And uh, again, Walmart's got to pay somebody to go out and clean that mess up. And, uh, you know that, that that's not that's not their job. It's it shouldn't be anybody's duty. You should be cleaning up after yourselves. So that's another aspect where uh, we as an industry uh, really hampered ourselves. Okay. So, so yeah, so that was before the yes. pandemic. Uh, you know, so these things were it was was frictional to stay in some of these these areas overnight. Um, so. Th- let me let me transition to this, uh, Jonathan. I've I've really enjoyed everything you know that we've we've been talking about so far. So, what's been the Im- impact to the freight hauling industry? So, let's talk about people outside of 
of over the road haulers or truck drivers, like, you know, maybe people who are in charge of planning the loads or safety. So like, how do all of these people get impacted by kind of what's happened here in the year, I guess, 2020 and extending into 2021, maybe 2022, but I, well, I mean, I, we don't think about these people, right? We think about the truck drivers in which yeah. we, I think we insufficiently think and acknowledge the truck drivers, but we don't think about people with plenty of loads, safety and things like that. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, I was hoping to actually talk to uh, an individual in the safety department for the company that I used to drive for, but uh, he was not available. But um, just knowing uh, some of the things that I used to get to sit in on, some of the meetings and whatnot, um, you know, th these load planners are trying to take into account, you know, hey, where is this driver going to possibly sleep tonight? You know, we're sending him into, you know, Brooklyn, New York, and, you know, he's going to be leaving from, you know, Wheatfield, Indiana, for example, maybe. And uh, now that they've got to punch in, okay, well, the load delivers at this time, and he's going to be starting at this time, and uh, it's this far, and uh, all of a sudden you got to contend with especially when you're getting over on the east coast parking is slim pickings already okay. um that's pre-pandemic now with wow. a pandemic and e-log mandate and things like that um that that's got to be an absolute nightmare and there's also a thing now where you can reserve spots but that's even become a bit of a joke um, which I'm sure we can get into that in a minute. But so uh, for these load planners and uh, safety directors and uh, terminal managers and whatnot, uh, it, it, it has created a, you know, it's just a bigger headache for them, you know, having to make sure, are we going to be able to get our guy into an area where uh, he's going to have a place to stay and be safe? Are we going to be able to, um, you know, mac maximize his or her uh, earning potential this week because we're sticking him or her on this load and uh, you know there might not be able to a place to park for almost 200 miles until they get there so they're gonna have to shut down you know four or five hours early and then go finish out the rest of that load the next day which then that's four or five hours off their clock the previous day and the next day so they're at that point they're losing an entire day's driving that's that's crazy right so <laughs> it just doesn't make sense um so so like these rules were put in place because right the assumption or reality was that some truckers would just drive 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 um and and not sleep and then fatigue would would set in yeah and that's something we talked about too is you know people might might look from the outside at truckers and say, well, you're just behind the steering wheel, right? You're listening to the radio or podcast or whatever. It, it can't be that uh, consuming of your mental energy or physical energy. But it's like the reality is, you know, you're needing to monitor and make decisions nonstop. It's this thing called I interviewed from my book, The Velocity of Information, um, Linda Stone, the, the uh, vice president of Microsoft. She said there's this thing called continuous partial attention like that. If you have to attend to multiple things, the toll that takes on your attention and then kind of your cognitive processes, which is exactly what a truck driver does, right? Because you yes. have to always be monitoring not only what you're doing, but what everybody around you is doing in real time. And and so it is this thing that, that brings on mental fatigue, brings on physical fatigue. So I don't think we give enough acknowledgement of that. It's like you don't jump out of the truck after 11 hours and be like, hey, like I'm all. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, it, it, it's a very uh, fatiguing job. And uh, one, just for the brain processes that you're yes. going through, um, I mean, you're making hundreds, if not a thousand or more an hour. Uh, and it's just something people don't think about. And when you're having your brain operate at that level, uh, it, it does get exhausting. Then there's other things that boil down to it. I mean, one, you're just sitting there and you're, you're hitting every bump in the road. And there's a thing called uh, micro bumps or uh, that's pretty much what most people accept them to be called by micro bumps. But <clears throat> just those little bumps and whatnot, uh, the way they jostle you in your lower back and things like that, that, that fatigues you. Uh, the way that you're dressed, um, you know, if you're when when I drove truck, when I was behind the wheel, if I knew I was going to be driving all day, I was in a pair of Crocs, a pair of gym shorts, okay. and a t-shirt. And a lot of guys out there are probably, oh my god, you're wearing Crocs? I'm like, yeah. And say because I felt the pedals best wearing Crocs. And you know what? If I wanted to, if I'm going to be sitting there for 10, 11 hours, I want to kick them off. And you know what? I, I might be driving barefoot. Now there are regulations right. against that. Um, really? I didn't know. Yes. That. Yes. You can't drive um, barefoot, okay? Can't drive barefoot. Uh, you can't drive in sandals. Uh, pretty sure it's supposed to be a steel toe. Uh, all, uh, yeah, they, they they go pretty in depth. Um, and but you know what? At the end of the day, I was looking at it as I'm going to be comfortable, and if I'm comfortable, that means I'm less fatigued. And if I'm less fatigued, the safer I am. That is, I didn't know anything about the sandals, right? Yeah, like that is that is crazy. So we have a question here. Uh, John from uh, Bull Rush, our good friend in Texas. By the way, Bull Rush. Good evening. Uh, so yeah, yeah, Lazarus Razors. Uh, you can also look up. Uh, Bull, Bull Rush is one of our uh, regulars, a good guy. He has a question here. He's saying, "How long does it take for a lumper to unload a truck?" Uh, well, it depends on if you get one that's being paid by the hour or ba- <laughs> paid by the load. Um, and, and there are two different types there. Um, but if you're getting one paid by the load, um, they, they can have you unloaded in 30 minutes sometimes. Okay. Uh, and then there's others. You're going to be sitting there four or five hours. So really, that seems like a mm-hmm. long time uh, to unload a truck, right? Yeah. I mean, to me, it does. If I mean four to five hours. So, so yeah. So it, it, that and during the pandemic, um, if you're out in four or five hours, that you were doing pretty well. Uh, from what I heard. There was a lot of guys, you know, they were getting stuck at some of these places upwards of 10 hours because these places didn't typically have lumpers. So now they're getting lumpers into place that n- never been there and they're trying to figure out everything and where to put stuff. And um, there is a whole fiasco there. And then um, once they get you unloaded, well, you've been sitting there for 10 hours. And technically that entire time that you're sitting there, you're supposed to be on duty. So now you're you have no time. And they're like, get out of here. You're like, I, I can't go anywhere. I'm stuck. And they're like, well, tough crap. You can't sleep here. So now you've got to violate your hours again. Your ELD, right? You have to yep. violate that. Okay. So, gotcha. To go find a place to sleep. Um, now, I was always uh, a little bit smarter than the average bear. If I was going to be sl- sitting anywhere that long, I would go and log into my sleeper. Um, because if I'm just sitting there, then what's it matter if I'm sitting in my... Uh, driver's seat or if i'm uh sitting in my sleeper and i actually did have this conversation with a dot officer the one time because he's like what were you doing here i was like i was getting unloaded he's like oh well that's a violation you're supposed to be on duty i was like but i wasn't there i was like i was in my sleeper sir i was like if i if i'm in my sleeper i've got a log that i'm in my sleeper correct he's like yeah 
I was like, well, that's where I was. I was like, which is sleeper birth time. I was like, I can't log on duty sleeper birth. There's no such thing. And he looked a little perplexed. And I was like, so which one do you want me to do? Because I was logging where I was. And uh, so he, he decided, not, I guess, you know, you want to say that he's being nice or something. He decided not to hit me with a fine or anything there. But um, yeah, it gets a little hairy. Uh, and like I said, during that pandemic time, especially right after all this started and, you know, places were letting no drivers in. Uh, right. and they were right. getting lumpers for the first time. Uh, you know, it, I, I heard multiple stories about guys getting stuck at places 10, 11, 12 hours. That's crazy. Yeah. So during that time, you're not getting compensated with it. Well, right? so- you're supposed to be, uh, you're supposed to be able to get detention time after two hours. Um, but the problem is that is supposed to only be if they haven't started on you yet. Once they're unloading you, um, if they once they're unloading you, you're not supposed to get the detention time. It's kind of goofy with the way it works, and it uh, can be different from company to company and things like that. Okay, but um, and it depends on what your company has in place with that customer, and uh, you know, it, it it's tough. But um, technically, it, you're you can sit there for two hours, and you're not going to get anything. Um, now. Once it clicks over that two-hour mark, you can start hitting them for detention time. But once they start unloading you, your detention time is supposed to stop. So now if they took 10 hours to unload you um, after you sat there for two hours, and, and like there's plenty of times where you've sat for two hours, and they're like, oh, got to start unloading this guy. So now you're, you sat there for two hours. You never got detention time, which detention time does not pay the bills. Um you know, for a lot of company drivers, you're talking, you, you might get paid 15 bucks an hour for detention time. And a lot of people think, oh, 15 bucks an hour, just sit around. Yeah, that's great. But when I can be going down the road making 30, 40 bucks an hour, big difference. And that's, I mean, that's insightful. I didn't, I didn't know that at all. Uh, so, so how about people who are preparing the loads like safety managers or anything like that? Like, how do you think uh, 2020 impacted them? Well, I mean, one, there was like, like I said, for me, I drove flatbed. So just thinking back to the company that I worked for, uh, you know, construction materials, things like that, all, all those things got put by the wayside. So I know that's, freight went way down for flatbed companies uh likewise uh if you had dry van uh you know freight was way up because people were hey wherever we can get you know toilet paper or this or that Uh, especially if you're going and pulling out of the ports and whatnot um a lot of that stuff became a big factor and there were companies that were going out and they're like well we're typically uh a flatbed company, but you know, they, they might've went, went out and bought van trailers just because that's where the freight was. So now, okay. um, you've got load planners and, uh, driver managers and whatnot planning out, uh, trips for what is an industry that they really don't have a idea for, you know, if they, if they were a flatbed company before, you know, they're going and maybe dipping their water or yeah, dipping their water, uh, dipping their toes into the water of, you know, hauling, uh, food. Well, now you got to figure out, um, where 
are you going to be getting this stuff from? Are you going to be trying to create accounts, which I have no idea uh, how that would work out in the middle of a pandemic. Um, right. right. You know, are you going off of the load boards and things like that, which, you know, they're taking uh, a lot of times 10 or 15% of the load right off the top, which if you're a big company, um, that might hurt you a little bit. That might not. Uh, it depends on how you want to go about everything. So, um, yeah, it really goofed everything up because, you know, if it, if the stuff that you typically haul was deemed, well, in this sense, not essential, right. but you're s- still an essential worker, uh, as the government likes to label you, then it was either you're floundering because you had nothing to haul and you got to figure out a new way to make money or you adapted and you went out and you bought a new trailer to just hopefully pay the bills. Man, that is, that is crazy. That is crazy. So, um, so Jonathan, let me ask you this. So, you know, back in March of 2020, so we woke, everybody woke up in, in the morning, right? And we'd either been deemed essential or non-essential. Like that had just happened, which is something weird. Like, you know, we don't hear a lot about that today. And I think it's something that's going to to be with us forever. Like we'll make the career decisions and all this and even, you know, kind of use some uh, umbrage, you know, based upon, hey, I was essential or non-essential. But um so, you know, truck drivers got deemed essential, but in my opinion, right, like I believe they were greatly underappreciated by government and Americans during the pandemic. Actually, I'm running for political office in my city. And one of the things we we um, have an interstate which uh, abuts our city is, I, you know, I want to say we need to be more uh, or not more, but we need to have a, an informed approach of, of how we can support our are over the road haulers that interface with our community. It's like, I, I'm completely on board with that. But so anyway, um, you know, we had parades for nurses and doctors and other, you know, healthcare workers in my city too. You know, they'd bring out the million dollar ladder truck and they'd, they'd have it out and people would come to work. And I'd be like, that's just, it's incomplete, right? I mean, I get it with the nurses and doctors. I kind of get it, but like we have a sense, we have drivers, we have truck drivers, right? Who they just said, here, you can drive more hours. You can carry more freight and whatever, but people are coming into town. They're not getting parades. Not that you have to get a parade, but right. You're not getting a parade. You're not getting increased times to unload. You're not getting a, uh, you know, the, the state, Hey, like if you park over here, that's okay. Like, don't worry about it right now. You're not getting that. You're not getting hazard pay for over-the-road drivers. This was just insane to me. Like, yeah. you know, at a moment when over-the-road drivers are so, are they're already critical, right, to society. But now there's an emphasis on over-the-road drivers bringing in our food and our medical supplies. So we're going to relax these restrictions, but we're not going to do anything to support the over-the-road drivers. That was so tone deaf to me. and It angers me to this day. I'm, it's completely um, despicable, I think, at a federal government level, at a state government. One of the things I want to mention is the state of Arizona. So I did some research on this, and I'm like, what did states do to support over-the-road drivers? And Arizona opened up two truck stops <laughs> that have been closed, have been shuttered. And they they said, truckers, come here. We're going to give you, like, you know, uh, we're going to keep the restrooms open. We're going to do food. We're going to do some 
you know, basic uh, uh, necessity supplies for a few hours a day. So I'm like, well, at least Arizona did something at two waysides, which have been closed. Nobody else did that I could find. So I guess what I want to ask you right now is um, what what is your thought or what is your perception on how truckers were treated during the pandemic, especially during spring of 2020 when, you know, we're holding parades for nurses going going to work, teachers going to work, but the truck driver coming in town with essential supplies, everybody's like, yeah, that's just their job. I mean, to me, it really is raw. It really is is appalling, but I want to get your take on on that. Well, I, honestly, I truly believe just with the way truck drivers are treated in general uh, should really be appalling to anybody that wants to look into it. Um, you know, I, I can recall driving into one town up in New York. I, I don't remember the name of the town or anything, but when I looked at my local directions, it said, you know, do not turn on to any other streets except the one that you're supposed to turn on because you will immediately get pulled over and get a ticket. And as soon as you enter the city limits, sure enough, all of a sudden there's a a car that appears behind you and it's a local police department. And you know, whenever a truck enters their city limits, all of a sudden they're tailing them. And if you make a wrong turn, they're going to nail you. Um, So uh, multiple drivers I talked to going to this customer that ended up, you know, turning like a street too early or something. And there'd be times where you turn on the right street and they still pull you over. What are you doing? I'm like, I, I got to d- deliver right down here. And, uh, you know, there's another aspect of, uh, you know, truckers can't idle their truck for longer than five minutes. No but, kidding. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Tell us about that. Um, you know, uh, and I realize this might be a little bit of a long detour to get to your question about you know how drivers were treated during the pandemic but i think it's important to point out how uh, drivers are treated even pre-pandemic and uh so uh, by federal law you can't idle a diesel uh powered vehicle i think over ten thousand pounds if i remember correctly something like that uh for longer than five minutes so you know there's all sorts of laws going into place all over the uh, country where you know if you've got an animal in your car you better have that car uh turned on with the air conditioner going um because somebody's gonna otherwise come come over break your window out and rescue your dog and I- i'm not saying that that's uh acceptable or anything but um the idea that um a dog is treated with more forethought than a truck driver because at the end of the day, especially now, you know, you're you're having to sit in the truck. You're not getting out. You're not going into an air-conditioned warehouse, which not all of them are air-conditioned or anything. Um, But, you know, you're still not going into a warehouse or anything. You're having to sit in the truck. And if it's, you you know, let's say you're in Miami in August, well, great. Uh, You're you're looking at 110 degrees with 100% humidity. And you get to be told to sit there with no air conditioner and let's have the windows down or something, I guess. That's, that, that's going to make a big difference. Um, you know, it's it, it's awful. And likewise, you know, you can come up to Pennsylvania where I am right now. And, you know, temperatures uh, just the other day were negative six, negative seven. Holy um, smokes. Okay. And you're supposed to sit there without any heat, you know. And there's... They say, oh, well, you got a bunk heater. Well, that bunk heater does not warm the entire cab of the truck. The, the bunk heater is called a bunk heater for a reason because it 
just really meant to warm the cab. Uh, likewise, you know, the bunk heater can double as a cooling unit um, and be an air conditioner. But again, um, air conditioners only uh, cool off the outside ambient air. So if it's 100 degrees out, well, if that's not getting any way to charge or anything, it's only cooling so much. And again, it's only really right. meant to cool your bunk, not the entire cab of your vehicle. And, and so, Jonathan, isn't it? Isn't it where California too is also saying that that truckers have to have like uh, electric? <laughs> oh, it wouldn't uh, surprise me at all. They, they they can't use um yeah like generators to to do the the cab cooling. It has to yeah, uh, and that's probably talking okay. about um uh APUs which are loud and noisy. And honestly, I think a lot of companies are getting away from those because they take a lot of maintenance. Uh, and they're finding that they're just not worth it with some of the other offerings today. Like the bunk heater that I actually had when I drove, um, federal law actually gave us a 400 pound weight allowance. So I could actually weigh 80,400 pounds with that unit on my truck rather than just weighing 80,000, which was pretty nice. Um, okay. But you also had to have this special little card um, when you got pulled over by DOT. Cause if you weighed 80,400 guarantee, they're going to pull you in, but then you get to give that to him and be like, well, no, no, that's, I'm allowed. I got this on my truck and they go, Oh, okay. See you later. Um, but so, uh, yeah, now moving on to the pandemic, right, uh, right. You, you, you still got a lot of issues where uh, drivers are mistreated. Uh, you know, just, you know, people take for granted the sacrifices drivers make, you know, being gone for weeks at a time away from their family, their children, their friends, uh, pets, uh, and, you know, any, any semblance of home. Uh, then, you know, we were sitting there saying, Hey, uh, so New York city still needs stuff. Los Angeles still needs stuff. Chicago still needs stuff. All, all, right. all these hotbed areas still need stuff. And then we're going to take, and we're going to make you go and sit in these areas and you're not allowed to get out of your truck. But by the way, th- these are like the worst areas you could ever go. So you're going to have to sit there and you're going to have to have, you know, the windows down or something, you know, if you want to stay cool or hot, whatever it is out at the time. And, uh, you know, then you're going to get going down the road and what are you going to do? You're going to fire up your air conditioner, your heat, and you're going to recycle the air. So now if you did happen to, uh, catch anything, you know, passing through the air or anything like that, or, you know, somebody brought you your bills or, you know, the guy that last touched your bills, maybe he was positive and just doesn't even know it yet. So now you go and you touch them and you're touching your steering wheel and you touch all the knobs. And next thing you know, again, you cycle on the air. Now it's blowing all over your cabin and, um, just terrible things. I mean, I mean, truck drivers were treated like a petri dish. No, absolutely, and and I think this is, you know, this is the point to um, underscore right now, right? And and be like, this is insane. You know, we get to this point of, um, especially March two thousand twenty, but you know, ongoing from that, and. Yeah, I, I mean, all these things coming out from the government of different decrees and $300 a week or $600 a week, I don't know, extra unemployment, right? Yep. That wasn't there for, there wasn't hazard pay for over-the-road truck drivers. Yeah. And that that to me is appalling. Um, 
And, you know, had that been put out there, I don't think really anybody would have been like, oh, yeah, that's just crazy to do this over the road truck driver, you know, like this bonus. I think people have been like, yes, like they deserve it. Like this is well warranted. And so, so yeah, I mean, you brought that up and I'm looking at this and saying, yeah, this, this, how in the world, um, I, I mean, I'm actually, I, I'm still stunned at the fact of in a forensic ability to go back and to analyze, you know, spring of 2020, how truck drivers are basically, un, we offloaded all of our responsibility onto them as a society. Yes. And we just said, just do this. <laughs> and, and I'm like, how in the world? I mean, it's just shameful to me. I'm, I'm really, I, I'm beyond appalled by it because, um, you know, I have much respect for uh, truck drivers. And then also when, when we needed them, I guess, I don't know if it's the most, but I mean, it was portrayed as, as the most, um, nothing was being done, right? We had Arizona who opened up two waysides, which had been abandoned and said, you can come here and you can stay here and we'll open up the bathrooms and whatever for five hours a day. And that's it. And I'm like, where in the world are, you know, um, you know, government coming in with national guard resources or, or states and saying, here are waysides truckers come in. We're going to provide you a hot meal, a shower, clean restrooms, uh, food, some basic medical and some other things like we are going to do that. Absolutely. Um, well, and, like, none of it was there. And, and, and John, so this like just it just keeps hitting me on both sides of my brain of like, how was this allowed to happen? And and, and uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm really sickened by it. So that's one of the reasons why, like I said, today isn't the end of this. Like I'm, as I said, I'm running for city council. Uh, we have a major interstate that runs through our community. And I'm like, this is just not acceptable. This is not acceptable at any level um, to me. and. And so I, I, I guess, you know, there's my frustration and, you know, you've, you've done an exceptional job of explaining, you know, the details and, and, and helping inform the audience about this. Would so I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, one of the things that I remember happening was, oh, we need to have special shopping hours for elderly because they're at high risk, things like that. So if we open up the store early, for these individuals so they can, you know, an hour, hour or two before everybody else gets in there and gets their COVID germs on everything, then we can, you know, uh, make it a little bit safer for them. Well, why wasn't that ever an offer for truck drivers? Hey, we're going to open up, uh, the store at this time. Uh, you know, if you drive truck, show up with it or something like that, you show your CDL at the door right. and <laughs> you're coming in and you're getting the amenities that you need. No, absolutely. Cause, cause right. It would be these things like, you know, at the start of school year, I remember if we go to like some fast food restaurants, like if you can show that you're a teacher, like you'll get a free yeah. value menu and stuff. I'm like, how in the world, right? I mean, Jonathan, right. I mean, if you yeah. if you show an identification and, and say like I'm over the, the road hauler, right. That you wouldn't receive these things. Um, and, and not only that, I think that's the bare minimum. I mean, I think that is a bare minimum. I think not only that, but I would go as far as saying like, you know, tax credits and things like this. And, and I'm going to get into this in a little bit. You know, I'm working through our outline and we're kind of toward the end. But um, I'm just like how and for truck drivers to keep doing this 
as society basically turned their back and said, you're the essential employees that we offloaded all of our risk onto. Just do your job. I think mm-hmm. it's appalling. It's just sickening to me. Um, so I'm like, you know, just thank you, you know, truck drivers. You know, thank you so much for just not saying, hey, like society doesn't appreciate us. Like we're going to fold. They didn't yeah. do that. Like they just <laughs> continued to do their job. And I, I can I mean, I'm, I, on a few levels, one is, I'm absolutely appalled by that in March of 2020, the the federal you know government, the DOT didn't come out and have these things saying we are going to put in place um, waysides, which we will maintain uh, specifically for over the road drivers, and we will have um, you know of course bathrooms, we'll have a laundry facility, like we'll have these things available at these waysides, and then um, you know the communities wouldn't also you know. Um, respond to this and say, we are going to do a, you know, you did parades for for nurses, like every day, nurses and doctors, like we're not going to do an essential workers, truck drivers parade. You know, like they should have done that. I just, I believe it should have been done. Um, and and so I'm looking at all of this and, and again, like it, it just really gets, it frustrates me because I'm, <laughs> I, I'm looking at this and saying, what is wrong from a political standpoint, and also organically, the communities didn't rally around this. I mean, how many videos did we have on TV in March and April of 2020? Here's here's this local, you know, community club, and they're they're knitting masks or they're making masks for people. Like, okay, I get it, but like, they weren't doing anything for truckers, right? Like, uh, truckers coming into the community, they they weren't assembling. Like, here's a hot meal for truckers. <laughs> like, here's whatever. Like, none of that was... I never saw one article about that. No, never. And I'm like... So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift us right now. Um, so let's talk about this. So let's say if, if we if we have this magic time machine, and it's probably made in Pennsylvania because they make all the really cool stuff. But That's uh, right. I'm, I'm assuming this is made in Pennsylvania <laughs> and not in Wisconsin because it's too damn cold here to make anything right now. It's like minus 18 degrees and just getting cold. But... But let's say we have this time machine, Jonathan. So you and I go back, and, and we're meeting with this group of people, uh, you know, like federal and you know, state government and stuff and whatever. And, and they're saying, okay, Jonathan and David. And, and David is really the minor player in this negotiation, by the way. But they're saying, Jonathan, David, wh- what do you think would be uh, some, some things we could do for over-the-road truck drivers during the spring of 2020 to, one, like support them in like the actual, you know, what their needs would be? Um, you know, morale and these things. What should we do for over-the-road truck drivers? Because we are going to announce that they're going to drive longer, they're going to carry heavier loads, they're going to do this thing, they're not going to get the lumper pay. What can be some ways that we support over-the-road truck drivers? I mean, and, and they're like, okay, Jonathan, it's your turn. Like, what would you what would you say to that? Um, one of the first things I would recommend would be uh, reinstating uh, per diem pay. Now, under Trump... Uh, one of the things that he did when he did his big tax revisions and whatnot was he eliminated per diem pay for company drivers. And that was actually a pretty big deal because um, that was about $60 a day that a driver could write off on his taxes at the end of the year. Uh, I, I think I was writing off um, federally because the state uh, taxes you usually required a bunch of receipts, but federally um, every day that you were on the road, um, you could write off sixty dollars a day. So uh, there's guys that would write off an easy eighteen grand, um, 
Justin uh, Perdiempe. Now, uh, at the height of this pandemic, I think that would have been a great thing. Would have been re- reinstating the Perdiempe, whether it was just allowing these guys to, uh, again, write it off on their taxes or saying, hey, you know what? Um, we're going to cough up X amount of dollars, um, you know, and however that worked out, I'd have to do a little bit more thinking on it because on one hand, I'm like, oh, the government was giving out 600 bucks a month or a week, whatever it was to people on unemployment. Why couldn't they do that for truck drivers? Because at the end of the day, again, you're away from home. You're, you, you don't have the convenience to just drop it into Walmart all the time. Because again, a lot of these shopping centers are being set up where you can't just get a semi into them. You've got to be delivering there and have somebody tell you, yes, you're going to bring this truck in this way and only this way, or else we're going to have a lot of issues. Um, so it's not just a matter of being able to whip into a Walmart or anything like that anymore. So, um, you know, sometimes your shopping was being done at the truck stop or something, but if that, if they're not letting you in, that created another issue. So, um, you know, just some per diem pay, uh, getting that back in order as far as, uh, so so tell me what is per diem pay like exactly so everybody understands it per diem pay so per diem pay all that was was essentially a uh, compensation for uh, truck drivers really uh, anybody if you're working away from home where you would be uh, some companies would actually pay their drivers per diem pay which depending on who you, who you worked for uh, some guys really liked that their company would do that because that's just extra pay in their uh, paycheck and other dri- other drivers didn't want that because they were going to actually lose money because there's companies that would be like, Oh, we'll give you $40 each day. Well, $40 times five days a week or something, that's $200 right. extra in your paycheck. Right. Um, but if I could, you know, write off $60 a day because you're not giving me anything, uh, at the end of the year, well, that's three hundred dollars a week in my paycheck, or in a sense, you know, because you're not actually getting that money at that point. So, um, s- some companies would actually pay you money. Uh, other ones they wouldn't, and then you just write it off on your taxes at the end of the year. But uh, like I said, when Trump did his tax stuff, he actually took away the per diem pay for company drivers. That sucks. I didn't know about that. Yeah, on your taxes, that is, which then uh, I think that kind of forced a lot of companies to actually start paying per diem pay. So um, it it was what it was, but uh, I think that would have, like I said, definitely been something that would have been a huge benefit uh, to drivers because you're already stretching your resources while you're out there. Uh, The second that you have to go through a pandemic like this, uh, it just exacerbates the issues. We have a question here from uh, Phil Henry, uh, Jonathan, our friend in Germany, by the way, Phil Henry. uh, Howdy, Phil. So he's saying, um, is there there any official countermeasure against the toll on the health it takes? From my experience, working is very, very straining on the body, body, especially the heart. So I guess is is he saying, like, how how do you countermeasure the toll it takes on your health? I kind of get what he's saying, but yeah. Yeah, I I think with what he's asking, the only real countermeasure uh, 
is just exercise for a truck driver. Uh, you, once you get into this industry, it, it's a very sedentary lifestyle. Uh, you end up putting on a lot of weight, uh, things like that, which there for a long time, I didn't put on late weight. I was actually doing really well. Then uh, a couple injuries later and I became lethargic and, uh, I put on a lot. Uh, so yeah, the big thing is just exercise, making sure that you're getting out of the truck, being active. Uh, you know, I think it was something like 52 laps around a truck with a 48 foot trailer okay. would, would be, uh, equivalent to one mile. Wow. I didn't know that. All right. Yeah. That's crazy. So, and, but at the same time, let's say you just put in a 14 hour day. Now you get to, uh, run into the truck stop, wherever you are, hopefully grab a shower and a bite to eat, stuff like that. And then you're, you got to call the family and make sure everybody's alive and doing well, make sure, you know, you know, do the kids need help with math, homework, et cetera, et cetera. And then you look at your watch and go, Oh man, I've got to get in a 10 hour break still and be up, uh, and rolling at this time. The last thing that you want to do is, you know, try and walk, uh, 52 laps around your truck. Right. <laughs> but it, 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 it really is a necessary evil. Just, uh, trying to make sure that you're staying active. Oh my God. Yeah. What, what movie, um, was Sylvester Stallone in where he was, uh, pulling down. He was an arm wrestler. Remember he was like lifting weights and stuff while he was truck driving. Do you, do you know that one? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. I can't think of what it was called. I I saw it once when I was a kid. (sighs) This is where the, uh, friends in the chat need to help us. I don't know the movie, but it was, uh, yes. And then, um, Kenny Rogers was in the one, two, where I think he was a truck driver and a race driver. So I forget what that movie was, but, uh, so, um, Salsu's surfer is, is not helping us out tonight. So, <laughs> so buddy, you, you have to, you have to take care of yourself. It's personal care. Yeah. Uh, we appreciate you being here, but yeah. So, um, so I want to ask, uh, this question. So let's say, you know, so I shopped last week at our Menards. So are you familiar, familiar with that? What a Menards? Love is? Menards. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I hate I, I hated delivering there. If I was going to Menards, I knew I was getting stuck there two to three hours minimum to get unloaded. But I don't have any that are around me. So uh, when I got to go to those, I, I would park the truck because uh, they would do everything. You don't have to worry about uh, doing the dunnage for the drywall or anything like that because that's what I always delivered there was drywall. Um, so I would go where they told me to park I would untarp my load and then I'd just go inside and I would just go around picking up some amenities. Um, you know, uh, maybe I went and got a summer sausage and a couple other things. And, uh, about two hours later, I go back out and they'd be about three quarters of the way done and be like, yeah, that's about right. Wow. So when I was in college, I worked at Menards, which I thought was the best job ever because, uh, one, they always had a lot of staff, um, per shift. And then they, they sent you things every like three, four months, like a beach towel, which I think is still out to this day, like Menards beach towel, save big money at Menards. And they filmed the, a lot of the commercials, John. So this is not well known to the people in the audience, but they filmed a lot of the Menards commercials in the 1990s in the store where I worked. 
Oh. So, so the guy that would come in, you know, with the white hair and he'd do this stuff, like we would be, I was in the plumbing department. We'd be told to like set up this certain like display this way. And then at the end of the day, this guy would come in and they'd have the camera crew and he'd film it. So I don't know if it's that big of a deal, but by God, back then it was like, I, I really thought that was cool. Um, so let, let's take this um, and let's say, Let's say there would have been an initiative. So I wrote the book, uh, The Velocity of Information, re, uh, not, The Velocity of Information, Human Thinking During Chaotic Times, which releases on April 11th, 2022, by the way. You can find it on Amazon and places that sell books. It's an awesome book. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly amazed that it wasn't censored, that I wasn't, that the book wasn't banned. Uh, so my publisher stood with me. So thank you very much for that. But Good uh, on them. But yeah, yeah, I'm like, I, I, I don't know. It's going to be, you know, a year from now, like this wouldn't be published. But so it's an awesome book. Um, but one of the one of the things that I want to, um, you know, kind of, you know, we talked about essential, non-essential things like that. But let's say I'm going back into history. During the start of World War II, there was this thing called the Committee for, the, for National Morale. Uh, in the United States. And and they were talking about how to boost, you know, morale for civilians and for workers and so forth. But I want to, I want to kind of take a branch off of that and say, let's say there would have been this campaign started in March of 2021 by the U S federal government. Right. And they said, we're going to have, and I'm just naming this, right. And this is a lousy name for this. I understand this. Like people will say like, here's a better name for this. And it's great. Like I'll take that. But so let's say that we have this thing called the Brown bag boost for over the road heroes. Okay. So there's this campaign and it comes out in on TV, right? In emails and things like that into communities and said, Hey, we have this campaign. It's March of 2020 called the Brown bag boost for over the road heroes. And we're going to provide you with Brown paper bags. And in those bags, we want you to put things which would support over the road haulers. So we're doing this to one, you know, meet their needs to some extent and want to, to show moral support. So I'm just going to take it and say, if they were to ask you, Jonathan, if they're saying, what should be in this bag? So we have this one bag, what should be in this bag? You know, community members, churches, civic groups, alliance, the JCs, a rotary, kids at school, everything that goes in this bag. And then it's like, okay, so a trucker comes into town or they're at a wayside outside of town and, and, you know, they get handed one of these bags. What would, as as an over the road hauler, what would be meaningful and useful to be in that bag? Honestly, um, man, it probably would surprise a lot of people. But it's just a thank you card because uh, it, it is a thankless industry, and uh, it seemed like when I was driving, it seemed more and more like we were just being targeted. And at the end of the day, it's amazing how many people, you know, you just hear truck drivers getting uh their their names cussed all the time and it's awful and you're like hey that bmw you're driving guess how it got to where you bought it or you know the the drywall in your home or you know the groceries on your table um so at the end of the day probably the smallest thing would just be a thank you card uh letting guys know hey you know we might not have been able to do much but you know, you are appreciated. Um, short of that, uh, man, you know, it, it's so tough to say, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of fresh fruit, uh, 
you know, that, that probably a good little one. That's something that can be kept in the truck and uh, easily on hand. You don't have to worry about it being uh, kept cold and things like that. Right, right. Uh, you know, uh, I, I hate to focus back on money or anything. I was going to say something like, you know, maybe a gift card to, you know, uh, McDonald's or something because, you know, at the time, you know, well, I shouldn't say at the time, but, you know, there's plenty of McDonald's and Burger Kings and things like that in truck stops. Uh, but, you know, if we're going back to uh, early 2020, well, guess what? You couldn't get in the truck stops to go to those places. So at that point, that wouldn't be a benefit at all. Right. Um, yeah. So at the end of the day, I, I really think, you know, just a thank you card, let, you know, these uh, men and women know that you're thinking of them and you know if it if you were able to you know maybe throw in a little meatball sandwich or you know a cold cut sandwich or something uh man uh when these guys were having to go through that stuff uh you know it's not like guys were starving but you know, finding food was tough uh there were guys that would never pack a lunch they were eating out every day and then all of a sudden they had to you know Oh, I've got to go buy a cooler and uh, keep ice in the truck, and uh, you know it's a lifestyle change uh, that happened very abruptly, and nobody was ready for. So that's cool. So, so let's think this out a little more. So let's say like there is this, um, there's this bag, right? Hypothetically, like this this brown paper bag. Um, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just saying that kind of for simplicity because a lot of people yep. just know what that looks like at a grocery store, right? So, um, and and there's a either a national or a state campaign of saying, you know, we want to have these things available for truckers. So I think what you said is right on. And I had I had made a note, put this in my notes of saying I think a thank you card, right? Because we have students all the time, or or just people or civic organizations write thank you cards. And I think right, like someone actually writing something that's authentic and you're reading it and it's in print and you're like, well, this is cool. And then what might be other things is, is it, yeah, is it like a Gatorade bottle is a sandwich or is it like a speed stick or is it, I mean, I'm not trying to be, be you know, to dismiss this at all. I'm, I'm just authentically. No, you're fine. Or is it an MP? Is it a, is it a um, thumb drive? And it has an MP3 of like free, um, audiobooks on it, right? Because the number of audiobooks are in the public domain is this something like that because saying, hey, you're driving in. I don't know. I'm just trying to think um, what could be, I, I mean, this is like a bare minimum of saying, again, what did I call it? It's the brown bag boost for Over the Road Heroes campaign. But I'm, I'm thinking, um, you know, if you, again, you're opening that bag, what would be things as an over the road driver that you'd be like, oh, this is helpful. I mean, is it something like, you know, wet wipes? Is it something like um, again, a thumb drive with, you know, here are, you know, 20 yeah, books I, on this thumb drive? Or I, I'm, I'm, I guess because when I originally answered that, you know, I was thinking of it as, you know, a lot of drivers you talk to, um, they don't want any help. They don't want, you know, quote unquote handouts or anything like that. So, um, you know, it gets into a kind of a tough area where, uh, you're trying to guess that. Um, but, you know, if it was for myself and, you know, hey, you know, either way, I'm getting this brown bag and I'm not going to have a say, um, you know, just what am I hoping to find in it at that point? You know, yeah, an extra deodorant or something, because, you know, uh, who knows when the next time that 
trucker might be able to swing in somewhere. Um, you know what? A uh, package of socks would go a long way because at the end of the day, um, we're using our feet for everything at that point. You know, uh, our livelihood depends on our feet. You know, we're uh, hitting the uh, go pedal, we're hitting the brake pedal, uh, clutch, uh, and whatnot. Um, wet wipes are always a nice thing. Uh, a towel. Um, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times when I drove truck as a flat better, uh, you get caught out in the elements or something. And next thing you know, um, you know, you're soaked, uh, and just a good towel, uh, to dry off was always nice, which I mean, I, I always kept those, but you know, uh, for a, a flatbed driver, or, you know, even if you're a van driver, you know, sometimes you got to jump out of the truck and pouring down rain and go open those doors still. And you've got a 60 foot sprint from your driver's door to the tail of the trailer to open those doors. Well, guess what? If it's pouring down rain, you're going to get wet. Um, you know, so like I said, uh, package of socks, a, a good towel, um, you know, uh, cheap deodorants, uh, yeah, uh, something that a lot of drivers should probably keep in their truck already is uh just peanut butter um peanut butter okay because at the end of the day you know what um you can find a loaf of bread somewhere and you can have a peanut butter sandwich no matter how hungry you are i mean that's amazing so okay so so jonathan you and i right now we've got this bag all right and uh all right, I actually got a few of them here. I've got 12 of them right here. So, uh, yes, yeah, 12 pack of these bags. So um, people are like, oh, my God, Doc, you got a prop. I'm like, I do. I do. <laughs> so I have this bag, and I can fill it up to the top. Um, and, and so, okay, we said peanut butter, wet wipes, um, you know, like a thank you uh, or appreciation card, which I think is awesome. Like, absolutely. Like, you know, schools or civic organizations, right on, right? Um and would you think like a mask? Because remember, like people were like, you know, making these masks out of like, hey, I'm making a mask out of my bed sheets or like just de-skin my couch. And now well, it's the, 45 mask. Or, or what, what do you think would go in this bag? Like, how I'd, could we stuff this would bag? You, would you really want a mask though? Because I you're, personally, you're but, spending yeah. all your time alone. You're not getting to go in anywhere. You're not getting to socialize with anybody. Do you want a reminder that... Um, what's making your hardship even worse and because at that point uh, you're not going to be wearing it while you're in the truck alone <laughs> unless you're stealing the truck right <laughs> yeah exactly right take this job and shove it i'm taking the truck with me right so um man anything else like i said so uh, some fruit uh okay we, we go, you know, a uh, random banana or an orange, well, an yeah, apple, absolutely, right? things like that. Uh, How about my idea of the thumb you know, drive? Was I totally off on that? Was that? Um, or, or yeah, I'm sure for some guys that, that? no, nah, nah, I'm sure for some guys that'd be great. Uh, uh, plastic silverware. Uh, you know, one thing I did uh, when I drove truck, I would keep uh, cans of chunky soup um, above the uh, compartment uh, above my driver's seat. And whenever I would see somebody out along the interstate okay. on an off ramp or something that had a sign that said, you know, hungry, we'll do whatever for food. Um, I would grab a can of Campbell's chunky soup. And whenever I would hit a truck stop that had a Wendy's, I, Wendy's just has all their spoons there 
you know, for the taking. So I go in, order something from Wendy's, and then I grab a handful of spoons, and then, you know, they're individually wrapped and everything. So I tape a spoon to a can of Campbell's Chunky Soup. And if I saw somebody out on the uh, edge of the roadway like that, I would just say, here you go. Um, that's really cool. Like, thank yeah. you for doing that. Yeah, that's that's really but, cool. But, uh, you know, hearkening back to this paper bag thing, you know, uh, just some plastic silverware. Uh, there's times where you end up wanting to, um, you know, cause I, I think most truck drivers probably keep some canned goods in their truck just, you know, for that time that you get into a pickle and you want to have something, um, which Campbell's Chunky Soup, it it's not terrible cold. It's not the greatest, but you know what? At the end of the night when you just need something in your stomach, it does just fine. So, but if you don't have that um, spoon or something, because for whatever reason, now you're like, oh crap! Now, now you're trying to drink it right. out of the can, and <laughs> right. so yeah, you know, uh, you know, right. some plastic silverware or something. Uh, you know, just a couple little prepackaged things. Uh, those would go a long way. Okay. Uh, That's really cool. Toilet paper. So toilet paper. Um, yeah, some chunky soup. Uh, plastic silverware, socks. So, yep. I mean, these are things, and, and I really wanted to bring attention to this and not to be like, oh, you know, like, you know, this is wishful thinking or that. They're, these are actual authentic campaigns, which we've done in the past during World, World War II, World War One, under, you know, uh, President Wilson and things like that. But we didn't do that. And, and the fact that, yeah, the feds maybe didn't do it, which they didn't. You know, the yeah. states like Arizona is like, OK, we'll open up to rest, you know, uh, rest side areas for five hours a day and things like that. But I'm like, this is genuine. Like this should have happened. Um, and honestly, I I don't know who would dispute but this, but I don't care if they would. I, this should have happened. Like, you know, what I saw, Jonathan, at the start of the pandemic. Right. You know, the media was tuned into all of these celebrities saying, Hey, we're all in this together. And by the way, like, here's how to sanitize your phone. Like that was crazy. Like we saw celebrities saying like, here's a little mixture of like being a bleach and water to sanitize your phone. And so yep. like, that stuff is all meaningless, right? Like let's talk about um, things that are meaningful, including and maybe centered on our over the road haulers. And here's something we could do. It's like, right. We could, we could set up these, I, I mean, I don't even know what this kind of looks like, but I, I see it as a very minimum of states. You keep X number of waysides open and at those waysides and you're bringing in, um, you know, that you have hot meals. And I, I, I see this thing right like after tornadoes come through and hurricanes and wildfires like Tide brings in these, these yep. trucks where they can do people's laundry. I'm like, put yep. them here, like put them here for the truckers. And. And then as, as you know, we've talked about, like, there should have been this campaign. I'm really adamant about this. This really bothers me. There should have been this campaign where, at the very least, right, is it's, it's the paper bag, the brown bags for over-the-road heroes. And, you know, you open up and there's a card there and plus, like, you know, some food, maybe some socks, some wet wipes, um, some, you know, like a MP3 or, you know, just this, this variety of things. But it's kind of like this recognition or at least you come into a truck stop or you come into a wayside and you do have the ability to have your, your clothes laundered, a clean restroom, some food, maybe some basic medical or whatever. Because like this is a time of, of an emergency, a national emergency. 
And I, and also this fact that, um, you know, police are still, you know, saying, oh, you parked here and you shouldn't have parked here. So here's a ticket. Like, that's crazy. Like yep. every, like there should have been, you know, every um, governor should have said, knock that off. Like, do not yeah. issue that citation. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, honestly, like as, as a governor or even in my local, um, the city where I'm running for city council, like I would have said, knock, th- there's no way I support this. There's absolutely no way right now I support this. Um, so, you know, this, these are the things I want to, you know, and I appreciate so much, you know, everything you've, you've talked about tonight, because I, one is I don't think people have perspective of, first of all, you know, um, truck driving uh, was an industry that had many obstacles presented to it, right? There were never enough spaces to, yeah. to park overnight and things like this. But, uh, the, you know, the moment that we went kind of offline and said this whole essential, non-essential, you know, how things really went um, negative for truck drivers. And truck drivers just did what they did. They, they did their job. Um, and so I, you know, so I thank you so much for bringing that knowledge forth. And, and again, um, you know, for those of you watching the show and that know me like Vanessa and Bolo and things like that, like I'm really, this really has me worked up because I'm just like, how in the world, you know, for example, in my community, you know, the fire department would bring out the million dollar aerial truck, you know, the ladder truck yep. and, and the pumpers and all this, and they would set up and they'd have the parade for the nurses and the, and the doctors, which I, I kind of get, like, I kind of get that. But at the same time, I'm like, how in the world did we not have something comparable? We live on the interstate. The interstate goes right by our, our city. Um, how do we not a couple times at least have something that we acknowledge or how did there's a rest area, a significant rest area, literally two and a half miles from my house, right off the interstate. How did we not have the Lions Club, the JCs, or, or you know, something from a state or national or organic local level, just take that over and say, over the road haulers, like, you know, just stop through here. Yep. At least we'll have the brown bag. Like, I'm sorry we can't do more for you, but at least we can do this. And so I'm looking at this and, and, and I'm trying to bring awareness to this and saying, I'd love over the road drivers i know they're not perfect none of us are perfect but the way that they have been treated since spring of 2020 to present is crazy yeah and the present is still a big issue for a lot of drivers because there's still a lot of issues with getting showers getting uh places to do laundry um now i'm not sure if for guys that are out three four five plus weeks at a time uh you know, laundry is a big issue, but for a lot of drivers, most drivers are only out a week or two now, uh, at least in my experience of everybody that I know and talk to and whatnot. So laundry is not as big of an issue, but there's still a huge issue with parking, um, you know, because you can go and reserve spots now and you'll pay 20 bucks. But the problem is guys are just like, I need somewhere to park and there's an empty spot and they're just parking the reserved parking spots. So then you get somewhere where you're expecting to be able to park and then they, the truck stops not kicking these people out of the reserve spots. And they're claiming it's because there's liability. If we kick them out while they're on break and whatnot, yada, yada, yada. Um, so now you're still sitting there with your hands tied because you pay 20 bucks for a spot, which I mean, they'll give you 20 bucks back, but you pay 20 bucks, you know, two days ago expecting to have parking when you got to this place and now you don't. Um, another issue, uh, again, showers, uh, 
because like so many other places uh, around the country, uh, so many other industries, um, these truck stops are having trouble finding people who want to work because, you know, for whatever reason, people don't want to work now. And so uh, talking to a couple of my buddies, they're saying, um, you know, if you're not at the truck stop by like 5 p.m. to try and grab a shower, you're not getting one that night because they don't have anybody to clean the showers after 5 p.m. Um, likewise with uh, food, um, you know, if it's a truck stop that has their own kitchen, things like that, where uh, like some of the pilots and flying J's might make their own pizzas and uh, things like that. They're shutting down the kitchens uh, for 5 p.m. because they've got nobody to work the kitchen. So um, there's still a really big issue happening here right now. And this silence brought to you by. Uh, Do we lose him? We, we might have lost him. Oh, no. Let's say stuff's got clicked around on the screen. Still there, David? You're still there, buddy? Oh, there we go. Okay, yeah. All right, so. It's on my end. Yeah, here at the at uh, yeah the uh, North Star Recording Studio. You know, once it gets cold, I have to dethaw things and stuff like that. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so, so this this all you know this all makes sense. And another thing, so I'm thinking about like in my community, right? Like most communities, or at least counties, have a county fair. Like they have fairgrounds. They have places where they could stage, for example, truck drivers. I, again, we're talking about we're putting a context of this. This is an emergency. This is mm -hmm. a federal emergency which has been declared um you know and again i'm thinking again i live in my county seat that's where my city is we have a fairgrounds which easily could have accommodated you know several um you know truck drivers and and rigs and then also had you know various buildings there that had bathrooms um that would have had food and accessibility and things like that. i'm like that was never contemplate it right that was never it was never even an idea and so i'm just i i'm i don't know if i'm angry about it i was angry about it like i'm i'm more i'm i'm past that i'm just kind of looking at the logistics of why was this overlooked and i i, I guess i'm not trying to to answer that i'm just saying we need to be better in the future as you've indicated i think this had we done this had we stepped up to the plate and said like this brain this brown bag boost for over the road heroes opening up like um our county fairgrounds temporarily um because you know otherwise what is the alternative right truck driver doesn't there isn't ample parking before the year 2020 so they're having to to double park somewhere or park somewhere there can't be truck you know truck drivers park so they open up their you know in the morning they're like hey a 200 fine you know this is this is horrible mm -hmm. so um so let me let me get into this. Um, so there are some changes that have just been proposed, um, or, or things that are happening right now. So one is a, a CDL license, commercial driver's license. Next month, starting February seventh, um, you have to take a course uh, in order to get your CDL license. So there's more more coursework involved with this. And I talked to to somebody today 
who is completing their CDL license and said, yeah, I'm doing this in Wisconsin, right? Because if I waited a month, if I waited beyond February 7th, this would cost me an extra $5,000 to take this course. Um, so one is, I guess, what is your thought on, do you think it's, uh, I guess, what's your what's your response to um, drivers having to take this additional CDL training? Is, is it good or is it like in the whole context of the situation, it's like, this is insane. Like, I wish I knew what it was. Uh, it's really hard telling. Okay. Uh, like when I went to truck driving school, you, you had two weeks of classroom work and they uh, did four weeks of actually running around in the truck, things like that. And then you went to, to your DMV and uh, they had a tester at the DMV who jumped in the truck with you and they went out and you drove a road course that they told you to drive. And, uh, you know, it's not like you knew the road course or anything beforehand. I mean, you did because uh, the trainers at the school have enough people going through the program okay. uh, at each DMV, you know, they have their set loop that you're going to run. So um, depending on which one you went to, the trainer knew, all right, this is what we're going to end up running. This is what, how it's going to be. But um, when you get into the, or when that tester gets in the truck with you, they're going to say, okay, we're going to go out here. We're going to hang a right at this light. And then as you're getting up to the next light or something, he's like, okay, you're going to want to get in the left lane. We're going to make a left here onto 80 and we're going to do this and that. And, you know, it's not, uh, big heads up or anything. So, uh, as far as what the new requirement is, um, I'm I can't say for sure because like truck driving school for me was uh just over five grand. Now a lot of these companies are going to reimburse drivers, uh, but then you can also if you get with a company that's going to pay for your truck driving school, you may or may not end up with a company that is good. Uh, some companies that okay. will do that are actually very good. Other ones are going to lock you into a contract and it, it's going to be a rough go for a year or two while you're working off that payment. So, um, yeah, that, it, it's going to be hard telling. Uh, likewise, I, I have heard some grumblings that they're trying to reduce the uh, interstate age. The, the interstate age for truck truck drivers is 21 so to, yes uh you cannot drive a semi currently um outside of your home state unless you're uh the age of 21 or greater uh and you can't get a cdl unless you're 18 so from 18 to 21 you can only drive within your state's borders uh, but because there's such a shortage of drivers now, which, I, again, ironically may or may not have been caused by the e-log mandate, um, they're looking at ways to try and uh, subvert that shortage. And one of those things is lowering the interstate age to 18. And I've actually heard grumblings that they're trying to uh, make it where you could be as young as 16 to get a CDL. Wow. So what's your thought on that? Again, you know, all these things are supposed to be for safety. But when push comes to shove, for some reason, these things that were so important for safety before are put by the wayside and, right. Right. Uh, you know, said, oh, well, we'll just overlook this. Well, was it really for safety then or was it for uh, you know, generating revenue. So, 
you know, unfortunately, a- I hate to look at it pessimistically, but that's how I'm going to, you know, look at it. No, you're right on because, you know, one of, one of two things usually happens during um, times of acute need, either you raise the salaries or you lower the expectations, right? <laughs> so, you know, and I think what happened here is saying, well, we're going to lower the expectations. You can drive longer, you can carry heavier loads, you can do this, you can do that versus, you know, like some salary boost. And again, you know, we talked about this, uh, Jonathan, I don't think anybody would have really been taken aback if the federal government would have come out in March or April of 2020 and said, over the road drivers, anybody with a CDL license who actively is driving will receive an extra $300 a week or something like that. I think people have been like, yeah, they deserve it. Like that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. I just, I look at that saying, where's, I mean, where's the straw man argument for that? Where's the people saying that's just garbage or whatever. So I don't think it's there. I mean, I think people will be like, yeah, absolutely. Like I completely get it. Like, and you know, so again, um, you know, I, I, I guess a few things is I've been trying to bring awareness and, and thank you so much for helping me to do this. I, I've been trying to bring awareness to people of, of, you know, over the road, uh, uh, truckers. I mean, as, as a, it's very difficult, right? It, it wasn't this panacea that was, it wasn't this, this utopia before 2020, but once spring of 2020 hit and the expectations that were put upon over the road drivers, uh, it, which they carried out, uh, with no help really from the federal government or from the states or even from municipalities, things like that is horrendous. And as we look forward as we look like at this moment like what would what could we do um you know like we kind of talked about this brown bag campaign i mean which is just like something we threw out there and things like that but i have a big cat like next to me. yeah <laughs> this cat weighs 28 pounds by the way wow so that's very, awesome it's a very big it's a very big cat and uh i can probably bring uh, a picture of this cat on screen uh by the way um we have a whole backstory for this cat which is not authentic uh, we said this cat. We said this cat served in the Navy, which he did not. So we call him Navy Cat. Does not have any naval experience, but uh, but anyway, we do call him the Navy Cat. And uh, let me let me bring up a picture so uh, we can fully appreciate the size of this uh, of this cat here. So here we are. I'm going to bring this up right now for those those of you who want to learn more about this this cat. Uh, so this is our cat. Yeah, that is a 26 pound cat. That is right awesome. And uh he's sitting on a box and uh he's he's good. He's he's really cool. He's a chilling out type of cat. Sometimes when I'll work downstairs in my office, he sits behind me on the chair and he just chills out. But as you as you would measure that cat, the cat is like easily 18 inches wide as the cat sits on that box <laughs> so wow um i call him the battleship because he kind of has that wide low berth to him uh yeah his name is bojangles by the way and we call him the navy cat uh but yeah he's a good guy i love very it good guy but uh 26 pound 26 pound cat so just so we know that so let me as we get into the clothes here uh yep. jonathan and so on december 16th 2021 so just over a month ago, the White House released this, this uh, it's titled the Biden-Harris Administration Trucking Action Plan to Strengthen America's Trucking Workforce. Um, so anybody, you know, can find it, right? So 
um, December 16th, the White House is this thing to, to strengthen our trucking workforce. So I went through it and I made a few points. Um, here's what I pulled out of this. One is um, they were going to put money into CDL licensure programs. What that means, I don't really know. Um, they were going to increase apprenticeships. So let me just stop there. This seems like they really touted this. Like this is a big section in their whole plan. Like we're going to increase apprenticeships. What does that mean to you when I say that? Like, people, um, I've never is, heard okay. of an apprenticeship in <laughs> right. the trucking industry. Um, if you're doing a quote unquote uh, apprenticeship, that means uh, you've got uh, father or mother or you know some sort of close family member like that, and now you're going to be getting to drive truck too. So they're taking out, showing you the ropes. Um, and at that point, I don't think it's a apprenticeship anymore. Um, it, it's very few and far between that you meet anybody that's like, oh yeah, come on and uh, jump in my truck. A uh, complete stranger that just was like, I want to be a truck driver too. No, that's why they got truck driving schools now. And that's uh, going to those uh, licensures, uh, which I would assume is just them saying, hey, we're going to go and... Uh, throw money at these schools to try and get right. them to uh, be able to pump out more students. I, I think you're right on. So, so here's here's the document. Um, I have it up on the screen. So, fact sheet: the Biden Harris administration. So, they released this from the White House on December 16th. Um, uh, you know, so a lot of it is right. It's just virtue signaling and saying, you know, truck drivers are, you know. A vital part of our economy and all that. So then they get into this thing down below and they're saying, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take steps to reduce barriers to drivers getting CDLs, which actually I don't think they're doing because like the cost is going up. But anyway, that's what they're saying. Um, so, and then their second thing is they're kicking off this 90 day challenge. <laughs> I'm like, this is insane. Like be respectful. But anyway, we're, we're kicking off this 90-day challenge to accelerate the expansion of registered apprenticeships. And, and right now, like, as you've said to me, Jonathan, you're like, what does this mean? And this is kind of the reaction I've been getting. People are like, what? So they have 90 days to try to get more people in this apprenticeship program. And I'm like, so this is, yeah, this is just garbage, at least in my opinion. I, yeah. I don't, if, you, if you're thinking, like, no, this is okay, like, yeah, please jump in. And then they're saying, here's another thing. Con uh, conduct veterans-focused outreach and recruitment there are approximately 70,000 veterans who are likely to have certified trucking experience in the last five years. And I'm thinking, that's not bad, but I'm not sure, like, I would be specifically turning to veterans returning from war to be CDL drivers. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I just think this is, like, <laughs> this is incomplete. I, I just, I'm looking at this thing. I don't think veterans are your answer. To this, I mean, some veterans might decide that this is what they want. Um, to do. I don't know. I, I think uh, are, are they the end all be all answer? No, uh, but you do have the aspect where uh, these are men and women who are used to being away from home, being away from their loved ones, etc. Uh, so, in that uh, aspect, it would be an easier transition. Likewise, uh, these are men and women who should be uh motivated uh by themselves which is a huge aspect uh to being a truck driver a lot of people don't realize that um you you, you got to have a lot of self motivation and so uh, again uh, i could definitely see where uh vets would be a 
uh, huge plus there. Okay. So uh, I, I could definitely see where uh, the idea uh, sounds good, but at the same time, um, you know, these are men and women who uh, just spent how long overseas fighting, uh, etc. You know, I, I don't want to ask them to do something as selfless as you know going fighting for our freedom, and then have to say, hey, you want to do something. Uh, else that's completely selfless, go jump behind this wheel and right. <laughs> uh, just be away from friends and family for uh, a couple weeks at a time again because, you know, this is the best we got for you. That, that seems like a kick in the nads. It does seem like a complete, like, yeah, kick in the nads or a line drive to the third baseman who wasn't paying attention, took it right yeah. in the nads. It's, <laughs> it's not good, Jonathan, I'm telling you that. Uh, so another thing they put in here is now, so first... First of all, like one thing I talk about on my show on Face Validity Fridays is when you get a lot of text, like in a in a proclamation, it's usually the proclamation is pretty useless at that point because they're just trying to like you know overtake you with word salad and stuff. So here's something like they put in here: it's launched a joint DOT DOL driving good jobs initiative, supporting drivers and ensuring that trucking jobs are good jobs is foundational for a strong, safe, and stable trucking workforce. I'm like, what the hell does that mean? I mean, yeah. that, to me, like, right, like, that's obvious. Like, when you state the obvious, <laughs> I mean, it's like saying the sun is warm. You know, when the sun is out, you know, it's good because we feel warmer. I mean, like, yeah, that's obvious. Like, it's a connection. Like, it's, it's an axiom. It's an obvious. So, to me, like, this is just garbage. As you said, and you're right on with this, Things like if you do, if you go into CDL, right, there either some hazard pay or something like maybe you get a tax deduction, hypothetically, let's say, like if you have yeah. CDL, you've been driving, you get $300 a month um, as a over the, the top tax write off, right? So that's immediately there for you. I mean, that stuff makes sense. And again, it's like, all of America is listening to this and people, you know, Bob, Vanessa, Bolo, you know, New York outcasts. I mean, none of us would be like, oh, that's preferential or this is whatever. It'd be like, no, like we get behind that. Like we understand it. Like we're there. Like we're totally on board with this. Um, so, and then they list this thing here. I'm going to bring it back up. They put in the next 30 days, the DOL, I don't know what the DL is, by the way. I missed the, I, I missed it earlier in here. So I don't know what that stands for, but the DOL, um, and DOT will kick off listening sessions for drivers, industry, and labor leaders and advocates to hear their perspectives. Well, listening sessions, come on, that's garbage, right? Like, you know what you have to do. Like, don't hold a listening session. That is just, you know, just crazy. Anyway, um, okay, so in the next 60 days, acknowledging that safety is the highest priority for truck drivers, the FMCSA will launch a pilot for drivers ages 18, 21. It's mandated by the bipartisan infrastructure law Jesus, I mean, just reading this, I'm like, yep. come on, like, give me a break on this. Um, and that's where they're trying to uh, expand the interstate age. Right. So you can be younger and drive. And then, yep. okay. And then they're saying in the next 90 days, the Department of Labor will announce the results of the 90 day apprenticeship challenge and announce new partnerships. I mean, this is all useless, right? This is, this is completely useless. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm just like, Okay, here's the deal. Like, immediately, 
three hundred dollars a month over the over the counter over the top um, for a credit for CDL drivers who who are actively driving. Boom! Like right there, put that in. And um, you know something where you're going to have you know uh, X designated National Guard to this number of rest stations in your you know state, and you're going to provide you know these essential items, right? Whether it be well, you know, maintaining the bathrooms or, or showers or basic medical or whatever, you know, whatever it is, you're, you're set. And then you're also going to do this this campaign of uh, getting civilians involved, which they did for mask and, you know, 3D printers, populations were involved. So let me ask you this. So, so Jonathan, if, if the 3D printing community was involved, what could 3D the 3D printing community do? And I'm a, you might say, like, I have no idea. What might the 3D printing community do that could benefit truck drivers? Like, what could, what could they do? Or even, like, things that they could 3D print that you'd be like, this is really awesome that I have this now. Um, but I want to put that out there because I have friends in the 3D printing community who printed masks, who printed ventilator parts and things like this. But if you're thinking mm -hmm. specifically about trucking, was there anything out there that the 3D printing community could have contributed to in 2020? Hmm. That is, no that, that's tough. Uh, I'm really racking my brain here, but who, uh, I, I don't want to say no because I'm sure there's something. And as soon as I say no, there's going to be somebody out there in the comments when we end to be like, you're an idiot. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> right. And uh, anybody in the comments, if you have any idea, because there's like Thingiverse and stuff like that, but maybe there's something that's completely obvious that we're all missing that. You're like, yeah, you could have obviously printed. I mean, silverware is maybe one of these things that they get in NY Outcast with that. Right. I yeah, mean, sporks. 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 You could, right. This makes sense. Like Thingiverse. No, but then again, I, from what I understand with the material that uh, um, 3D printing is made out of, uh, it's basically like cornstarch. So I'm not even sure how printing silverware would have I But I think I know, I know quite a few 3D printers and like um, Flying Rich, who was in here earlier. Like, I think that could have been, um, it could have been handled. Mm -hmm. Like there, there are 3D printing things because Rich has done stuff for like his pool and things like that, which would not yeah. have been water dissolvable and things like that. But I think you're right on with this. Like, for example, a spork, because like even the restaurants we go to now, they're like, oh, there's like no straw or there's no whatever, you know. But yeah, like you could 3D print hypothetically a spork and you could have contributed that to these these sites. Because again, I had a, a friend, uh, Drew Bay in uh, Florida, and Drew was printing uh, masks, 3D printing masks and donating them to hospitals throughout uh, spring of 2020. But Man, I mean, this is an awesome. You know, Jeff, I think I, I love th it. Thought of one thing, okay, and that would be uh, just uh, little things to go on vents that would help direct um, the air from your vents more. So, uh, whether it be to perhaps funnel the air, you know, in the winter, so it's hitting your windshield in more direct areas when you're trying to run your defrost. Uh, likewise, um, you know, in the summer when you're got the air conditioner blowing, but you've only got so much control with, uh, your vents the way they are, um, you know, maybe a little vent thing to, uh, again, funnel the air exactly where you want it. I think that'd be a pretty neat idea. That is awesome. 
So I'm going to call that air vent uh, directional diffusers. Yeah. There we so, go. So people could have, right. You know, and, and the thing is, I mean, you just throw that idea out and pretty soon the 3D community just gets together and they, they just like, you know, they're, they're buzzing in their hive and they're like, here it is. Like, here are four examples of it. And then like, tell us what works. Like, we'll get some of these printed. And they would do that. Like I God, I, I mean, I know so many people in the 3D printing community. Now they're they're all awesome people and giving people. And if you have that open code for them and and yeah, they could print some of these things up, they would do that. Mm-hmm. So I, I absolutely love that idea, uh, Jonathan. Like that is um I just put a note over here on the left because for anybody, well, obviously I didn't show this at the start of the show, but I'm writing a journal article for crisis response journal. Um, and it is centered on uh, what I think was our com- not only an incomplete, but a failed approach to over-the-road drivers uh, during the, um, uh, you know, during spring of 2020 and then ongoing, right? And, and some ideas of how we could approach that differently in the future and, and things like that, which we've talked about tonight, which I think is incredible. Like, no one's having these discussions. Uh, but that is amazing. Air vent diffusers. Yeah, absolutely. Like I have a friend here, Flying Rich. I don't know if he's still in the show right now, but um, he has a he lives in Florida and his pool cleaner that goes you know underwater mm-hmm. in his pool stuff. Like the bearings went bad on it and thing was like 20 years old. So he took it apart and then he like put the bearing dimensions online and, and someone said like, well, hey, like here's here's a program that you can enter into your Ender 3 printer and it will print new bearings and use like this type of filament. And he did it and it worked. Yeah. And instead it was, of it cost him like it cost him less than two dollars. And he said in, yeah, yeah, it was you had you like 40 bucks right. for the new bearings, I think it was. And, that's like that's a huge difference. And so you think about those things, but right, we think about these things and 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 also like I think right now, I mean people talk about this the supply chain, which is authentic, right? Like I go into my local stores and I can see if there's not product. But we're also at this point in time, and I wrote about this in my book, we are between just-in-time manufacturing and 3D printing. Um, Like General Electric wrote a white paper, and they said, you know, like in two to three years, when you go to your local automotive parts supplier, they're going to, and you say, like, I need a water pump for a 2008 Chevy Impala. They're going to say, okay. And then they'll type it in, and they'll hit print, and the 3D printer will print it off. And whether that takes, you know, 20 minutes or whatever, and they'll say, here it is. Like, they're not going to go into their stock to get it. They're going to print it off for you. So I think we're at this weird point in time, too, where we're kind of transitioning. Um, but I, it's kind of an aside. But um, so so let me get your your take, you know, as, as we round this out. Um, yep. How about, like, people thinking, well, you know, Truck driving, I get it. But Dave, like in five years, trucks are going to be largely automated. You know, truck drivers are going to be kind of a thing of the past, right? Kind of like a railroad, um, what the, the 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 fireman on the railroad who'd like shovel the coal and stuff into the yep. into the engine. So so they're saying, you know what? Like I get what you're saying, but you know we're kind of at this transition. You know, like in five years, we believe. This is going to be automated either by truck or drone or whatever. So, like, we'd, we're we not going to put a lot of effort into making the lives better for over-the-road haulers, which I've actually heard people say this, like, uh, because it's kind of this thing that's going by the by the wayside through technology. I guess, what's your thought on that? Do you think in five years, half of the 
semis on the road are going to be automated, no drivers. Well, and When I was still driving, this would have been 2016, 2017, they were saying, you know, within a decade that all the trucks would be self-driving, everything would be automated, you know, and there'd be no reason for truck drivers, which, uh, you know, when you started looking into it, I <clears throat> would tell guys, I don't know what you're so worried about. You're still going to have a job. You're, you're just going to have a much easier job because um, the self-driving trucks with the way, at least the way the laws were being put in place for them and things like that, you would still have to have somebody there in the truck to manually override if anything were to go wrong. So... Uh, at the end of the day, there's still going to be a guy in that truck. Uh, but you know, we're, we're five, um, almost five years into that now. Uh, right. you know, so technically in another five years or so, uh, they're saying, you know, half the fleet is supposed to be going to the self-driving trucks and everything's going to be automated. Uh, I, I haven't paid as close attention to all that as I was when I was driving, so I can't say 100% on where that is currently. Uh, but from everything that I've seen and uh, from the guys I'm talking to and things like that, I don't think it's going to be happening in the next uh, five years. I don't think it's going to happen in the next decade still. Uh, I think they still got a lot of bugs to work out with that stuff. Um, so at the end of the day, they still need to be focusing on the person and how we're going to take care of the men and women that are, uh, you know, keeping our country going. Yeah, I agree with you. And Andrew S. wrote, we don't even have robot boats. Robot trucks are not yeah. coming anytime soon. And <laughs> I think that's right. And, and I wrote about this in my book, The Velocity of Information, coming out April 11th, by the way. But I interviewed Linda Stone, who was a former vice president of Microsoft. And we were talking about, you know, autonomous driving vehicles and stuff. And she's like, yeah, you know, that's that's quite a ways down the road. Um versus what we've been told, right? You know, these studies are saying, oh, like, you know, if half the vehicles are autonomous, like, it would decrease deaths mm -hmm. on the highway by X number and things like that. She's like, that's all speculative, right? No one really knows that for sure. And we're, we're pretty far off, you know, from, from getting there. Um, so, so yeah, I, you know, I, you know, in talking with you and, and kind of thinking about the, uh, the truck driving industry, it reminds me of an interview I did of Robert Travis, who was a Alaskan crab boater in the early 2000s. And, you know, he talked, one of the chapters in my book, uh, when I interviewed him, the chapter title is All Four of My Bosses Are Dead. And it's true. Like all four of his bosses on the boat died of injuries they wow. incurred on the boat. And one of the questions, you know, one of the discussions uh, Robert and I had, so he's a good friend of mine. And, uh, you know, I, and I said, you know, what, what's the incentive to make the boat safer? And he said, you know, there's this thing right now, right? Like, because if you own the boats, there's a reality that in 20 to 25 years, a lot of this stuff will be automated, like how the crab cages come on and off and all this stuff. So like the deck hands will kind of be phased out. So how much money do you want to spend in making this safer for the deck hands when you know in 20 to 25 years, you really won't have deck hands. So I'm kind of like, yeah, I get, I, I kind of get it. Like we're at this transition point where people have to weigh like how much they're going to, to put into making things safer versus well, when things are automated, which is this big assumption, right? And they have no idea how this will work, but they're just thinking this things, these things will be automated in 20, 25 years. 
Um, so it's, it's this time too where, yeah, I think there's, there's, we're not putting as much into consideration of safety and, and just of people's well-being. But I, I guess it's even more than that, Jonathan. I just, I just think it's, I, I'll go back and I think it's, it's appalling and it's, it's, I don't know if it's dehumanizing or less than human, th- how we forget about people. And I would say over the road drivers would be, be at near the top of this list, if not at the top during the pandemic, right? During times of extreme uncertainty and chaos and stress and things like this, of not like looking out for these people and trying to to make their lives better because they're essential to our lives. Um, but it, it, I, I think there is this, there, there's probably this, this, this room which you and I don't have access to of these corporate executives saying, well, you know, 25, 30 years, things will, more things will be automated. So we're not going to invest this amount of money right now, even though we know this could improve a situation right now. We're not going to invest this. We're going to kind of put it toward the future. But um, I don't know. Maybe I'm a cynicist. Maybe Vanessa will say, Doc, come on. I've known you for quite a while. Our media hits our, our good friend, Swamp Dog Armory, who's doing an intermission video for future shows, would come in and say, Doc, come on. Um, but um so I really like your idea here of these air vent diffusers, like 3D printers could get on board with that. And you know, like I said, I think fairgrounds could have opened up in counties and said, hey, like come here. They already have like, a, they have a lot of space um, area for uh, people to bring assets such as meals or socks or things like this. So, uh, bathrooms are usually there. Um, so I'm going, I just want to go through our notes here and make sure we, we kind of have everything everything covered um so which i which i kind of i i think we do let me let me go through the chat and make sure um vanessa's talking about titanium i don't know what that's about it's probably something they mine in pennsylvania not in wisconsin wisconsin is mostly iron ore um bolo is saying outcast no, i don't uh, bolo is a great guy but but uh, I'm not sure where Bolo's going right now. He's our good friend from Korea who lives in Canada. Oh. Uh, so, yeah, Bolo's great. So, actually, I appreciate So, I mean, appreciate the followers of, of this channel, of the show. Um, it really means a lot to me week after week to see uh, similar faces and the new faces in the, in the chat. So. Definitely. And let's see here. This is, um, well, I just missed it, right? Um. Swamp Dog Armory, a bit, a bit pessimistic there, Doc. So tell me more what you mean about that. So I'm not sure what you're what you're getting at, because my friend uh, Swamp Dog Armory, so who's younger than I am, maybe it's just part of Doc's age. Like Swamp, Swamp Dog's a good dude. Swamp Dog is a good dude. Yeah, and uh, it's it, and Doc is no spring chicken. Um, so as 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 I do a recap of of what we what we covered today. So first of all, um, our guest Jonathan Berger. Check out Guns and Barbecue. It is the pinned comment in YouTube right now. So just go up in the pinned comment. You're like, where can I find this guy? Awesome content. I got three monitors ahead of me. Like I work at night and stuff like this. I'm like, boom, on the right monitor. I'm like, uh, Guns and Barbecue have a show on tonight. Yes. Okay. It's going up on the right <laughs> monitor. Put Jonathan up. So um, Guns and Barbecue, that is the pinned comment. Go right there and subscribe. And and just, you know, just uh, I. I mean, really genuine, um, serious about his content, uh, very attentive to 
things uh, like the metadata, like the, you know, what he's putting together for his his thumbnail and for his shows and things like that. So um, very curated. So just very good. Very good. And I Thank appreciate you. it. And the guests that he has on. So um, this is one of those channels, you know, I look at it and I'm like, okay, he's like, it, you know, between eight and 900 uh, subscribers. I'm like, yeah, that will, you know, I'll check back in two weeks and I'll be like 1500. And then like, it'll be like five. I wish, I wish. No, but I, I completely believe, and it, it's rightly, it's rightly deserved. Like you, you have excellent content. You, you are, um, I don't know if I would, uh, I guess I would say it's like the radio voice, like the, the inquisitive, so you're, you're just very good at this. So like your, your channel, it, it's kind of funny because, you know, the safety doc, uh, you know, safety is kind of a, a, a niche market. So, uh, to get to almost 1200 subscribers has been a big thing for my, my channel. Yeah. I appreciate so many people for doing that because it isn't something where a lot of people are going to tune in just kind of innately to do that. And so when I have people on or I see people's channels take off, like I'm genuinely happy and I'm like, yeah, that's good content because they put the research in, they do their due diligence with understanding the analytics and, and their audience and things like that, which is you completely. So like, um, yeah, so hopefully everybody who's, who's, who's following me um, goes over on the pinned comment and, and gets over to guns at barbecue because, you know, Jonathan's a real deal. And so, so what we talked about today, this is something that honestly, it, it hit me raw when it happened, you know, when, for example, like here's 300 or $600 a month extra for unemployment and things like this and whatever. And I'm, I'm kind of like waiting, like, okay, so what's happening to the over the road haulers, which are, you know, we're, we're hearing supply chain and essential things coming in. And I'm like, okay, but I like, these are over the road haulers. So what's happening? And it never came out. Like it never was. Here's our, our campaign. It was basically saying, okay, like, you know, we're going to allow you to drive longer. You don't have to take as many breaks. You can carry heavier loads. But it's it wasn't anything to genuinely benefit them. It was just relaxing the regulations, which I thought was horrible. And now, um, and honestly, I mean, like I said, I'm running for political office in my community. Vote for Doc on April 5th if you live where I live. But uh but, you know, one of the things that I'm I'm very overt on is I said, you know, we we live by an interstate. We live by a you know, large commerce section. We need to acknowledge and not only treat truckers better, but we need to take action on that. <laughs> not just that we say that we're going to do things or a proclamation like truckers are welcome in our community. No, like we're putting together either a brown bag for truckers camp. I don't know what it looks like, but we're going to do something. And we're going to do it. We're going to be informed by people, by, by Jonathan and things like that. We're going to do something because we have, it's just the right thing to do. So as we, as we talked about this, you know, this show today, we talked about, you know, before the pandemic, it was difficult for truckers to find a place to park, um, you know, when their driving time was up. You know, you drive along the waysides and or the highways, you see the waysides and how many openings. But a lot of these places were filled up and that was before the pandemic. So we need to make more spaces available. So when people wake up in the morning, you know, over the road haulers and they're checking their windshield, they're like, oh, great, a $200 bill. That's, you know, $200 yep. fine. That's, cr that's crazy. Like that needs to stop. And then this, the whole thing of ELD, these electronic monitoring, it's probably good to some extent, 
but also the fact of like, you know, if Jonathan was in, in park somewhere and they're like, Hey, like you need to move your, your rig a block over because we're doing whatever here. And the moment he moves the rig, it resets the timing mechanism and stuff like that needs to be adjusted. That needs to be tweaked. Like it is, um, it, it, it's, 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 it needs to have, uh, right. Some human component to it. So while ELD or this electronic tracking, the purpose of it, right. Is to make sure that drivers are getting appropriate rest and appropriate sleep. There is some, some reality that needs to, to kick into that of saying, you know, if I have to move my rig, you know, two blocks because it's whatever. And then I go back and now things reset. That's ridiculous. Um, and then also during the pandemic, March, uh, March 13th, 2020, this emergency relief declaration came out from the U S government saying, Hey, if you're, if you're over the road hauler, license is about to expire don't worry about it we're going to extend it like through november stuff like that and then like the 60 70 hour rule thing was relaxed uh, 30 minutes uh break after 11 hours was relaxed stuff like that okay like that happened we understand it but then like what else happened to support truck drivers because you have two things that happen typically like you can have you can increase wages or you can decrease expectations and what the government did clearly was decrease expectations <laughs> and maybe that had to be done. I don't know. I don't know what your opinion is on this, Jonathan. Did, did we really need to put all these things in place? Like, you know, say you can drive with heavier loads and without a brake. I don't, I don't. Um, honestly, <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry. Uh, I think the biggest thing would have been just simply, Increasing wages, I don't know if it would have helped. The big thing for truck driving is making awareness. Uh, you know, I, I never even thought about becoming a truck driver until I was at an eye doctor appointment one day, which really ironic now that I think about that. Uh, literally at my uh, yearly eye exam, and I was looking through the classifieds just for giggles, and as like truck driving school, and I was like, "Oh, that would beat uh, you know making eight fifty an hour as a corrections officer." Uh, and I was like, "All right, cool, I'll go to truck driving school." Um, right. But if I didn't stumble across that, I didn't had no idea how to become a truck driver, or you know that I needed to go to a special school or anything like that. Um, so I think just making awareness on that one, this is a really viable and easy industry to get into, and uh, you know this is how you do it would would go uh, just leaps and bounds because at the end of the day, then you can tell people, yeah, it costs five, six grand to go to truck driving school, but you're going to make probably somewhere between 40 to 60,000, depending on what you decide to do as a truck driver in your first year driving truck. Right. Right. What, what, what job are you going to get uh, with a, college degree where you've only got five thousand dollars in debt and you're going to make 40 to 60 your first year i'm not and i'm not i'm not poo-pooing on college degrees or anything but no i'm right (laughs) i completely yeah yeah no no uh no argument you know for me on that i think you're right on um you know so one you know i bring in too so as a former as a retired school administrator like Um, there was so much emphasis. I'm teaching a class right now. I actually started today, by the way. Um, so I'm teaching a class right now. And as, as, you know, high school 
seniors, right? Counselors are, are supposed to track seniors into a post-secondary career pattern, which is usually before your college and whatever. And yep. universities report this information back to school districts and things like that. And if you are, let's say like you're a family farmer, right? Like I'm 18 years old, we have a farm, which is a hundred years in the family, right? And so I'm gonna go into that or you're truck driving or I have a 3D printer, I'm welder, whatever, like family business. That counts as actually a loss in when the school district gets that back, that that student went into the family business or went into these areas versus going into college, which is yeah. crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. And I'm looking at this thing. This is so screwed up. And, you know, I'm very vocal about it. I think it's complete garbage. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's this mentality for a long time where... I don't know, Department of Ed at the national level or the state universities have kind of made this of saying, hey, you got to go to university and stuff like this. I'm like, for some people, yes. And for some degrees, yes. But otherwise, no. And the fact is, though, if you say someone is going into over the road driving or someone is going to take over their family farm or be a, a partner in that at age 18, you're counting that as a loss, which they do on these forms that come back. That's crazy. That is insane. Yeah. So... You know, it, it's it's just appalling. Um, but yeah, uh, unfortunately, college is not for everybody. You know, for some it is, and that's great. But for some, you know, we're pushing kids to go to college and tell them you're not going to have a future unless you go to and get this four year degree. When you know, we we need plumbers, we need welders, we need electricians, we need truck drivers, we need so many skilled laborers out there. Where um. What, I think in the next uh, decade or so, those are the jobs that are going to be available. And, you know, for some reason, we're not pushing trade schools. Right. Right. Yeah, it doesn't, It you know, it doesn't make any sense uh, to me. Like, I, I, I look at this, I'm like, this is, this is crazy. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Um, so... So we went through, um, yeah, uh, complete the recap here of, um, you know, access to things like imagine, right? Just try to put yourself in the place of an over the road hauler in the spring of 2020 when, um, you know, uh, you waysides are closed. You can't go to the bathroom at a wayside, right? Or, or you can't, and truck stops are closed. Or you go in and you deliver your, load somewhere right and they're saying oh stay in the truck like you can't come inside because of whatever our pandemic procedures you have to stay there because we come inside it, it, it violates the rules we put in place for outside people coming into our building you're like but i usually come in here right or i need to come in here use the bathroom use your microwave or just get around or you know use the phone or just warm up or something like that right because you're saying again you know people don't realize you know, the, the cab shuts off after five minutes. So like right now where I'm at, it's like minus 11 outside right now. So imagine yeah. that, or like if you're somewhere where it's hot, I mean, but it's just crazy. And then, you know, we have this, this thing where the infrastructure bill comes out, this $2 trillion infrastructure bill, improve roads, highways. And part of it is, oh, we're going to do like um, apprenticeships in over the road hauling and stuff like that. It's like, okay, I don't know what that really means. And we've talked about that, but are you increased? And then, you know, the, the, you know, business insider comes up, but said the issue is like, part of the issue is you have to increase, you know, places for truck drivers to park where they're not going to feel like they're going to be fined and stuff like that. And we need to, to provide more amenities and just more essentials for our truck drivers, which thank, thank you in business insider for doing that. Um, 
We also talked about this thing too of like, people don't realize it, but this thing of lumpers, L-U-M-P-E-R-S, lumpers. Um, as truck drivers, as, as you said, Jonathan, please correct me if I'm wrong, but we're often allowed to um, unload their freight, which then they received payment for that. So that ended during the pandemic because it would be considered a contamination risk, right? Like, hey, stay in the truck. Like, we'll essentially, right? you know, it's just the idea that, oh, you could have COVID and, you know, you're going to infect everybody here and we'll have to shut down. So you stay in your truck and this person, you're going to have to pay, you know, X amount of dollars to now instead of saving that money right. yourself. So just, just, I mean, so we're talking, you know, as you said, up to $1,000 a week of lost income. And by the way, uh, Armitage is saying, hey, Doc, are you in one of those communities where we can show up and vote without ID? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I actually don't know, buddy. And I'll tell you, um, if I win, I win. I have one opponent running against me. And I'm not. And the mayor called me and he said, Dave, you can typically people spend five to eight hundred dollars on their advertising. And I said, I'm not spending anything like I've I'm spending my time like going out and meeting my neighbors and people in my district here and talking to them. And if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't, but there will be no yard sign, you know, vote for doc on April 5th. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, if you want to independently film a commercial or do a radio post, I'm not against it, but uh, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't, it, you know, another thing too, is we talked about it. Uh, Jonathan and and I wrote a I wrote an entire chapter about this in my book, which will certainly um, be abrasive to some people. But I really skewered um, the the healthcare heroes parades and the TikTok videos. One is I thought the parades were an improper use of government. Um, you know, a fire truck, uh, a ladder truck is a million dollars. I was a firefighter. A ladder truck is a million dollars. So yep. it, I mean. You take this positionality of millions of dollars of equipment to do this parade. I, maybe I can understand it once or twice, but not every week for yeah. three months. And so that's part of this. Um, I, I am I'm really uh, in this, this whole thing of like, you know, the TikTok nurse craze. And it's not only that. The nurse organization, which I cited in my book, I forget what the organization, which is, is largely the proponent of the nursing profession, not against nurses, right? But this, the organization should have come out at some point and said, knock this off. Like the truck drivers aren't doing this, right? The uh, people who are stocking, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, you know, uh, so warehouses, what I mean, X, Y, Z, they're not doing this, right? Stop this. Like, this is ridiculous. Um, so I, I think there there was this whole part of that that really hit a nerve with me, and and the, and people didn't measure it themselves, right? Like that they wouldn't realize I shouldn't be doing this because like if people genuinely are dying around me and suffering and things like this, like <laughs> to do this seems really distasteful. Um, so I, I was just pulling that juxtaposition because like. You saw the healthcare hero parades be championed for nurses, but you never saw truck drivers doing like, you know, some truck driver equivalent TikTok video. Like that just wasn't out there. It was never a thing. And uh, so anyway, and we talked about what could be done. We get this time machine with this DeLorean, which our friend in the chat here sassed one too many who has done the cannonball run, by the way, Jonathan, I don't know if you're aware of that, but really he has done the cannonball run and then a Suzu Impreza, by the way, 
I might be a bit uh, of a nerd. <laughs> so, there we go. Right. <laughs> That's awesome, buddy. So <laughs> our friend Sass, one too many, has done the cannonball run. I think he averaged like 146 miles. Is it, this is factual information, by the way. Um, but, you know, we, we get to this. And, and and so two things, like one, pe- people say, well, you know, that's past. We can't do anything to fix it. I'm like, okay, but we can forensically look at this and say, what could we have done in March of 2020 for over-the-road haulers? And as you said, you know, came up with these great things like plastic silverware, socks, um, you know, maybe a 3D printed thing to re- refocus your vents, a card, you know, some basic food stuff, things like that. Boom, like right there. Those are some of the things. Post National Guard or volunteer organizations, Lions Club, Rotary, things like this, JCs at some rest stops, make those identified and say, if you're a trucker coming in here, whatever. CDL license, the federal government saying $300 a week if you have a CDL license and you're active, whatever. I think all those are very legit right there on top. And our closing things were saying, now the government has come out and said, oh, yeah, CDL license starting February 7th, you have to take more courses to get a CDL license. I'm like, yeah, okay. Like <laughs> To me, like that's not very welcoming to people coming into taking this as a profession if you increase the barrier to get into it. But And then also December 16th, so a month ago, the uh, White House released this fact sheet, which is a very long document. And I, I brought it up and it, it uh, it's the Biden-Harris administration trucking action plan to strengthen American's trucking force. And they were saying, we're going to give money to CDL licensure programs. Okay, I guess. Increase apprenticeships. And Jonathan, you're saying, I don't know what that really means. I, I'm kind of reading this like, what the hell does that really mean? Yeah. And then recruit veterans and truck. I'm not against that, but I'm like, that can't be your sole solution, right? There's 70,000 veterans out there. We're going to turn them into truckers. I don't think that's the plan. And and so the rest of it then just gets into word salad. Um, so, see, I, you know, I, I think... My hope in tonight's show was to make people aware of what's really uh, kind of the baseline, what's really happening in uh, over-the-road hauling. And, and and you've been awesome in that. I, again, I really appreciate well, you. you brought to this. And, and, and then also the fact that we it's unacceptable to just say, well, yeah, I guess truckers did get slighted, right? I guess they didn't get what they deserved. Okay, like that's true, but then like this point forward, we have to change that. I'm on it. I mean, I'm this isn't hyperbole. Um, you know, I want to do things for over the road haulers in my community, and whether that means after the if election, if I'm elected to political office, or if I'm not elected to political office, then I'll go through other means to do it. But I'm like, uh, this is this is such an injustice to me um i uh, and the fact again you know we, we never hear about this it's not david Muir on abc oh breaking tonight <laughs> on the news is this you know in the usa escalations with ukraine or whatever something it, it there's never a moment where um you know we really get into to this and the thing is like i honestly believe i've i know so many people you probably do too i mean who would just step up and say yeah I'll put this in my 3D printer or yeah, I would volunteer time to, you know, the, you know, do this brown bag campaign and things like this. And, um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I mean, I'm both excited and kind of uh, appalled at the same time 
Um, and, you know, like I said, Jonathan, you know, you've, you've been an inspiration to me. You've really given me knowledge that I obviously I didn't have, you know, I'm just the person who's like, Oh, there's a truck driver, right? Like, I don't know <laughs> until I learn about, Oh, lumpers. And then I learned about, Oh, this system. And you go, Oh, you can only drive so many hours a day. Oh, and if you, if you park and you, you know, you, you're forced to park because you can't drive any longer because of the ELD. If you park in an area that you're not permitted to park, you, you might wake up to a fine and, Yep. And like, how in the hell did states not waive these things? How did your governors, like our governor, I mean, how did they not just say between this time and this time issue a warning or just whatever? Or you don't find people like that's just that's inhuman to me. It is completely, um, I, I, I guess, almost gross to me to to when you're telling me that that's happening. I'm like, that's it's it's sickening. Um and and I'm so so yeah, um, but I have a, I have a great appreciation for over the road haulers. I think they're underappreciated. I think they've been extremely underappreciated as essential uh, designated essential people during the pandemic. Um, so Jonathan, let, let's break a little bit. Tell tell everybody about your show because um, you've been growing in your show. You, you've been doing regular content. What do you talk about? Um, why should uh, yeah, people will be like, hey, there's a Jonathan from Guns and Barbecue. Like, I want to tune into his stuff, which I think is awesome, by the way. So let people know about that. Absolutely. Um, well, first, I want to give these two little nuggets out there uh, to any truck drivers who might still be listening. And one is uh, back in the day whenever I you know, have to use the bathroom and uh, you'd undoubtedly be at a customer that would be like, yeah, we got that porta potty right over there. Um, I never wanted to use porta potty. And so I always ask, hey, is there a bathroom inside that, you know, all you employees use? And most of the time you get that. No, it's not for drivers. Drivers get the porta potty. At which point um, I would just lay on this little excuse of I am allergic to the do- to the blue dye in the porta potty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, they'd be like, what? And I tell them I- I'm allergic to the blue dye. If it splashes up on me or anything, I'll break out in a terrible rash. Which was normally uh, enough to let them or get them to let me use the regular restroom inside. Uh, so uh, whenever I've told that to other drivers, they're like, "Oh my god, that's brilliant! Why didn't I think about that before?" So you're welcome. Uh, feel free to use it, uh, but keep in mind if you do treat their restroom inside uh, with respect. That way, you don't ruin it for everybody else. Um, also. Um, you know, we mentioned, uh, urine jugs before, uh, if you're driving truck, you probably had to pee in a bottle at one point or another in your lifetime. Uh, put a little bit of mouthwash in that bottle. Um, and this will go a long way with the smell of it because, you know, at some point you want to dump it. Uh, you know, there's guys that will just throw them into a trash can. Uh, that just seems a little ugh to me. Uh, but I've heard of guys getting tickets you know they're stopped for the night along you know at a rest area or something so they you know go to dump it off in the weeds and next you know a state trooper pulls up and then they're hitting them for uh disposing of hazardous waste so um yes so uh take uh just a little bit of mouthwash put it down in your gatorade bottle whatever you choose to uh, relieve yourself in in those uh trying times and uh, that way when you go to dump it 
And the officer says, what are you doing? And you say, you're dumping my mouthwash. And because, well, I, I always, always chose one that was like green colored and, you know, had a strong minty smell. Uh, so one, uh, if that ended up sitting in your cab all day, it's not going to be just that horrendous uh, urine smell when you go to dispose of it. And two, um, in that off chance that uh, officer were to ask you what the heck you're doing, when he comes over, it's going to smell like mouthwash. So uh, you're welcome for that one, too. Uh, definitely recommend the mouthwash trick, though. Uh, but, uh, yeah, going on to, you know, my show and whatnot, <clears throat> uh, I do uh, three live shows a week. Uh, two of them are the Almost Nightly Firearms Expo, where we try and talk about uh, things going on within the Second Amendment uh community and uh perhaps it's issues plaguing our community uh whether it be politically plagued or maybe it's just things going on within right. our community that we need to uh improve uh that way we can be better uh a whole list of things but uh, essentially if it has to do with the second amendment uh we are going to touch on it at some point um then my other show is on saturdays the the Almost Nightly Firearms Expo is Tuesdays and Thursdays at uh, 11 p.m. Eastern Time. And then the Saturday show is at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And that's just a barbecue chat where uh, we just talk about barbecue and whatever else might be on our mind. But uh, I think my favorite project that I've got going is 2A Women Wednesday. And with that, I try and interview... Uh, lady within the Second Amendment community each week. Um, I, I say try because uh, getting guests has been a little tough. Um, okay. Uh, it, it's just one of those deals where I, I feel like they s- see some random guy pop into their messages and they, they, a lot of times they don't even look at the message. Uh, if I, like, a lot of them I find on Instagram and if I send them a message, I can actually go back and look through I bet you probably three quarters of the messages and they all say sent still. None of them say seen. Well, I shouldn't say none of them, but you know, those three quarters don't say seen. They say sent. So, um, yeah. So if you do know a lady that uh, is doing amazing things in the second amendment community, she could be a trainer. She could just be a mother who is teaching her children, uh, about, uh, gun safety, whatever it is. Uh, you know, we're looking to promote, uh, amazing women within the 2A community. So, uh, you know, if anybody knows anyone uh, that might want to come on the show, please have them get a hold of me uh, because uh, that is a really rewarding project, uh, getting to talk to those ladies. Uh, Everything that they're doing, everything uh, that they have going on in their lives, um, it's incredible that uh, the ladies that I have gotten to speak to have been able to take the time out of their busy days to, uh, you know, sit down for an hour and do an interview with me. So it's, it's been an amazing experience. Man, that's awesome. That is, that is really cool stuff. Thank you. A shout out to, uh, one of our, our show regulars here, uh, DLD after dark. He's saying, hey, DLD. so, you know, DLD and, um, yeah. So I've, uh, yeah, I'm glad he's feeling better. I was uh, checking in on him back when he was uh, not feeling quite as well, and our friend Bolo in the house. And so, well, I appreciate. It. Yeah, I I like your channel because um, 
it's I, I guess what I would say is is genuine and you, you know, you're you're not into this you know marketing or like hey like by the way like buy silver is that an all yeah, yeah. Or something like this <laughs> you know which like there are some shows I like but I'm like come on like you know allocate a minute to that and the other you know whatever to content like I get it like whatever um so so yeah uh yeah I I I mean I I think you're great at this so I I well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Never, um, and by the way, like even like your mic setup and everything, I'm like, oh my god, like John is so far advanced than where I'm at here with my Yeti. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you say that, the, the, BS- the Blue Yetis are a great mic. Uh, honestly, is. the uh, Rode Podcaster mic that I I just picked this up mm, two weeks ago. I had another mic that I mean it did the job, and a lot of people are like, oh, it sounds great. You're fine. You don't need to get a new mic. And I was like. I know the audio quality that I'm looking for. And like, after I got the new mic, people were like, Oh wow, that's a huge difference. I was like, I know <laughs> it's really a good mic. No, I, I need to sit down and, and, uh, figure out how to do. Yeah. Um, a, a non USB mic, uh, set here. Um, so I don't know. I, this is okay. But I, I, now that I do more of this, um, so, a little bit, you know, obviously, if you're you know, here with the doc, you probably know this. But if you don't, let me put this out in front of you uh, right here. So this is the <laughs> I'm like right here as I hold it off, yep. like off screen, right? <laughs> Hell of a job there, doc. You've got this. Stuff. This is my book, School of Errors, Rethinking School Safety America, released in 2019. Um, this is this is the most honest book about the three billion dollar school safety industry. Um, I actually took this and built it into a PBS presentation. Yeah, so I've been on PBS TV TV twice. You guys probably know that, but if not, you just type my name in plus PBS. Those are awesome presentations. Uh, those are PBS specials that I did. And my my new book is uh, The Velocity of Information. Re, uh, not, God's sake, I'm tied into this. The Velocity of Information, Human Thinking During Chaotic Times. And it's a mind blast, right? So... Um, it is uh, 208 pages. I interviewed like Larry Lawton, America's biggest jewel thief. And one of the questions I asked Larry, I'm like, hey, how'd you find out about 9-11? You know, a guy who was in like solitary confinement for like half his time in prison. Oh, in yeah. A, in a telephone booth in a dark room uh, for half his time in prison. And he's like, God, no one ever asked me that before. So, um, you know, going through and and all these interviews and the the research and 471 endnotes, basically, oh God, like it's a lot to read. No, they're they're all done at the end of the chapters. So like you just go and it, you'll read and it'll be like number one, number two, number three. Like it's really fluid. Um, it is awesome. Like I had a a um, graphic artist design diagrams for me. I'm like I'm trying to think of something like you know here's I'd like a diagram and and we put these diagrams. Together. This book is awesome. It comes out April 11th. Um, so again. Velocity of information, you can just type it in my name or like go to velocityofinformation.com. It's published by Roman and Littlefield, so scholarly publisher. It's international, right? Um, but it is it is a book that honestly, if it's ripping the bandage off the year 2020, it one of my first chapters is essential versus non-essential and how insane that was, right? That we all woke up and we went through that. And then, you know, kind of going through the book and the thing is, if you read the book, you get ahead of the curve and get yourself and your family out of harm's way with chaos. Honestly, I do not think anybody would publish this book a year from now. I, th- I think it would be canceled. 
even now with my publisher, it was a risk. Like my work as a university professor, like this was a risk to take this on. It is an outstanding work. Um, the may the running for mayor of Los Angeles, um, Kevin Dalton, you know, said it's, <laughs> you know, we were, a lot of us never realized we were enlisted like into this, this army to fight this unseen warrior, like in, in the pandemic. And, and it's going to infuriate you once you read this book, but it's essential reading. Yeah. I guess some self-promotion there, but, um, the velocity of information is is absolutely incredible. It, I spent easily two thousand hours putting this book together. Releases April eleventh, and I have the audio book coming out. Um, that will be at a later date, but it's being recorded now, um, and I'll have more information coming out about. But it's it is a a major media or, or major um, actor who accepted this role, and part of it was. After reading the book, he said, I'd want to do this because this is just important work. So like the fact we were able to negotiate him in at a reduced rate that we would have never been able to do, you know, had, how do we just propose this? Right. He said, no, this is important. I want to do this. So I'm so thrilled that this will be out in an audio book. Like I was working over the weekend, it's coming out through Findaway Voices. So we're distributing to libraries and internationally and things like that too. And, uh, you know, like I'm just, I'm excited. Like it's, 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 um, it's an awesome work. It's at the right time. All of you, like Juan, you know, Sasso to many, Jim, Dirt, Bolo, uh, you know, you guys are going to to resonate with this, right? So i Armory, you know, Guns, you know, um, Jonathan, um, and and so it's one of these things where it's it's kind of risky, right? Because you write it and you're all, you're on the the cusp of cancel culture, you know, when you come out with yeah. a book like this and, and and so much risk. But my publisher stood with me, yeah, my university stood with me, and and really the the work had to come out. And there is a chapter in there again, we write early up essential, non essential, and I kind of touch on some of the things we talked about tonight. As I go on and I talk more about this, as I do more interviews about this, um, I am going to to make people more aware again and say well let's think about how we treat truckers right <laughs> how we and also like why we have this big how how do we miss this how do we not do something more for truckers especially in spring of 2020 um so yeah i i sit here kind of embarrassed and also like i'm like but also like this is a very valid show like this is extremely important content uh, Jonathan's a brilliant guy, right? Like, so my ability through my network here of somebody to send him a message and say, like, you know, Doc's trying to do this show and stuff has made me a smarter person, made me more informed. Um, as I go forward, it's going to change things that I do. So, um, but for, again, it is the pinned comment of Guns of Barbecue. That's how you can subscribe to John. He is approaching a thousand subscribers. So get him there. And I kind of, I, I kind of say it with a chuckle because, like, get him there, and then he's gonna, he's like launching, like the, he's like <laughs> launching into thousands of subscribers and like holding up the uh, blue, or not the blue, the silver, like YouTube hundred thousand subscribers. Like you're headed there. I, no, I, I'm happy for you. Like I'm, I am so, I'm really happy for you. I just, I can recognize it. Like it's like this channel's going. Like it's going to rocket off. And, Thank and, you. At some point, like people will like, you know, Google channel to like, oh, you did a news on the safety doc like back then and and stuff like that. But um, no, he's 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 a great guy. Again, 
solid content, just really has a perspective, uh, multi-perspective of, of what's happening. Um, it, it really, it, it, so as you listen, it, it's one of those things you turn on and you could continue to, to, you know, to drive, you're not going to change a channel. You're going to, you're going to be brought in by what's happening. So, and I, and I don't say that to everybody. I mean, people who know this show, like Swamp Dog Armory and Juan, Marty, Sass and stuff like that. Like I'm appreciative of my guests, but I'm like, oh my God, like you are just, I mean, you're really, you're, you're so dialed in Jonathan. And, and like, for me, like, I just appreciate that. And because like, we can't go to the mainstream media. We can't go to these other places we would traditionally go to get information. Yeah. But we go to you. We go to other people um, out there. Bacon Maldito, for example, is Friday night, 10 p.m. Central Time show. Um, and and suddenly you're you're getting information that's authentic and you're getting guests who are authentic and dialogue and stuff like that. So um, I, I appreciate it. I, I love your, your work. Like I said, before we prepped for this show, like we had a conversation, I'm just wildly taking notes and putting things together. I'll have a blog post out tomorrow. Um, it's John's at Guns and Barbecue. It is the pinned comment. Um, and for those of you, oh my God, we have 43 likes for this show. So my Oh, wow, God, that's awesome. It is. <laughs> so let, let me go through the chat to make sure we don't have anything uh, else in here. So this is uh, Housecat saying, there's no need to fear the war. Most of us will want to see we'll we'll see we'll be prophetic i don't know but uh yeah it's it's not good in the ukraine i interviewed nikolai razavayu on my show and also wrote a chapter about him in my book the soviet cyclist who cycled in kiev which is in the ukraine so we'll see what happens with that uh night swamp dogs this is a sport brand thank you sport brand for coming over uh he's at 890 now this is uh bacon oh, nice uh, saying he's he's tracking your stuff and yeah i'm sure bacon will also give you a shout out bacon yeah show. bacon's a good dude crossed over a thousand um a few weeks ago and bacon has uh adhered to his regular schedule uh he is a good dude yeah and actually like his blog posts are are very good i don't know if he's released one recently but <laughs> i was looking through a couple of his blog posts and i think i contacted him like a year ago i'm like oh my god like the way that you analyze this is is really thorough like really intense and I, I actually said, like, I couldn't do this. Like what you did on this, like, I don't, I forget what the piece was. Bacon might know, but I'm like, this was really well done. Um, Boris is saying, what's the name of the stream John wants to do with a girl? <laughs> what? Do, do you know what he's talking about here, John? It's uh, called 2A Women Wednesday. So it's the number two followed by the letter A, Women Wednesday. Uh, there's actually a whole playlist over on my channel. There's, I think, 10 interviews now that I've done with different ladies uh in the second amendment community uh on that playlist uh and every one of them is just incredible i'm not uh trying to toot my own horn or anything uh those interviews are all made that incredible by those ladies um each one of them just doing amazing things that's awesome so i i posted it and and jim mcintosh is saying i love smoking the bandit movies damn it jim yes. so do i and so does so does jonathan and uh, Burt Reynolds, it's a hell of a thing that he passed. But uh, we will always have that in Jack, Jackie Gleason. because uh, uh, Swamp Dog Armory, our good friend, is saying, yes, indeed, Martin. Uh, but things I'm not sure. Swamp Dog is a good friend of the show. Here. Now you're 893. My God. So, wow. Jonathan, you're flying through the roof. Well, road. I appreciate the bump. Uh, so, and uh, Bull Rush, our friend in Texas, is saying, the safety doc never called me anything better than. <laughs> I don't know. Bull Rush is a good guy. 
Uh, but he did he did receive uh, several 22-inch monitors from his employer, and uh, they just basically told him to keep them instead of send them back. So Dirt McGirt is in the house. House Robert Ribbert, Robert Ribbit Harrison. Jonathan, I don't know if you're aware of this, but he is a big proponent of zero-weight oil in any condition, oh. especially when it's cold outside. But the guy is completely zero-weight oil. Like, that's his thing. All like, right. You, know, you can talk anything with him, politics or whatever, and they... By the way, do you know about zero white oil? You know, like, oh. you know about zero white oil, and you will be like, "Hey, like I'm talking about barbecue." He's like, "You know, one of the best things for a grill is zero white oil." Uh, so I'm like, "Yeah, no, nothing I'm not arguing with season you. your grill the way zero white oil will." <laughs> zero white oil and oak is, yeah, it's how it's been. I it like was it done up until the 20s, and then it kind of went out of fave. But it's back right now. Thanks. <laughs> this is from uh, Swamp Dog Armory. Thanks for the love, guys, and shout out to Doug. So, uh, thank you to uh, yeah, Swamp Dog Armory. Uh, we appreciate him. And as I go through here, so my God, I mean, I just appreciate this. Um, Sesta, no oil is a new zero-way oil. Yeah, no oil and no uh, air filter. It's kind of the last thing you can do before uh, you retire your vehicle. So, um, so everybody, um, you can find me. It's really easy, like it, the show here, safetyphd.com. I did update my website so um, because it wasn't showing up in YouTube. And I got I got spammed by a, pharmace, a pseudo-pharmacy site in fall. So, like, if you typed in the safety doc or the, the safety PhD, it would bring up, like, Vialis or Viagra or Cialis or whatever. And I'm like, it's not really part of the show here so um uh, and i can't help you out like if you send me i can't do anything for you with that but um so then when they when they went in and cleaned out the channel right they cleaned out the the website they also changed um so when when google and other sites would scroll the site they wouldn't scroll the content i forget what it was i learned about it so then I went in and I had to correct that in the last couple of weeks. So now my, it's starting to show up more. But safetyphd.com, all the podcasts, 168, including this one, going back. Everything is in leveled audio. So if you download and you're like, hey, I've got a long ride. I want to listen to this level audio. There's a blog post, maybe three, four minutes, if you want to go in and check that out. Um, the two books, one is, it just type my name, check in Amazon. But um, right here, School of Errors which is the most honest book about the $3 billion school safety industry, right? Uh, hundreds of libraries across the world. It's in Nigeria. My goodness. It's in Squamish, British Columbia. Um, and actually like just throw it in the back of your favorite, like truck driver, like just throw it in the back of their truck. And then when they get there, they'll deliver it and it'll be there. But, um, and the, the velocity of information releasing April 11th, which is the best work I've ever done in my life. And I'm just thrilled with that book to be out there. Uh, it's mind blowing. Uh, but yeah, check it out. The velocity of information, you can order it now. Uh, so I've been really thrilled with, with that. So enough about me though. Um, how about, uh, Jonathan for, as we close here, people who want to, to find you, where will they find you? Um, you can find me over at guns and BBQ. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. That's how it's spelled is gun space. N space BBQ. Uh, that's my YouTube channel. There's also the guns and BBQ, uh, Instagram page, which I think it's actually, 
because uh, believe it or not, there's quite a few different channels that use the name Guns and BBQ or Guns and Barbecue or Guns and and things like that. So uh, I think the Instagram, if I remember correctly, is Guns and BBQ on YouTube, um, if I remember correctly, because uh, otherwise it's going to have to be something really goofy. Uh, so I, I was trying to make it as least goofy as possible uh there's also the guns and bbq uh facebook page uh which um over if you go to my about section on my youtube channel there's links for all those things so uh you just you know click on the channel click the about tab and then you'll find the instagram the facebook um all, all kinds of stuff email you name it All right, so uh, once again, it is really cold there, and every once in a while, he's got to restart stuff. So while we're waiting for everything to come back online, uh, I'd like to remind you about zero-weight oil. Zero-weight oil will season your grill like nothing else will. I think he's still gone. So uh, in the meantime, uh, while we wait for the doc to come back, Oh, I'm back. There he is. All right. I made a plug for Zero Wood Oil. It's pretty good. Which you should because, yeah, it is the best. We now have our first vehicle in our household, which runs on zero weight oil. So, so far, so good. Um, but, yeah, we'll see how that uh, how that turns out. But, uh, but yeah, so um, I love zero weight oil, by, by the way. I'm just like I'm sold yeah. on zero weight oil. <laughs> so I did ask um, Robert Rupert. Uh, Ribbit Harrison, who is a mechanic who knows this stuff. So like I, I put my trust in him uh, for my zero weight oil sport brand. Yeah. All you guys. Um, so I just asked bacon. I said, bacon, can you find uh, Jonathan's Instagram channel and post it to Facebook? So hopefully he's doing that. Apparently <laughs> we have some very bad news here from solitude surfer who has not had a good night, who apparently has stayed with us despite intestinal challenges. Ugh. And at that point, buddy, Poor fellow. I just tell you to take care of yourself. Do what you have to do and, and just exit the show <laughs> and you can hit it on a replay. So um, I don't know what is what is out with that. But yeah, it's our good friend Sasso to me. So, um, th- uh, so this is uh, from Bolo. Bolo is our representative in Canada. Saying, thank you, Jonathan, for representing. And I, I also believe, Jonathan, thank you for representing Um the discussion which needs to be had and needs to be amplified regarding over the road haulers. Um, again, not only related to the pandemic, but especially amplified because of the pandemic. So this is a good show. This is uh, Robert saying, I, I love it. Uh, Google got the gavel according to level one text. I don't know what that means, but uh, yeah. Um, who dat says, Bob, I don't know what that means. Uh, Bob says, what's up, Doc? Welcome back, which is great. I'm going to use this as a commercial laugh. Go for it, Robert. I have no copyrights. I'm, I'm sure that our good friend here, Jonathan, is willing to give up any anything you want to pull Absolutely. From show. Go for it. You want to make a highlight video out of this, a 30-second a TikTok that gets 4 million views. You're all for it, buddy. I will never like challenge you on that. You're all good. Uh, DJ Play Nice, if you can snag it that way, 
if not, it's Guns and Barbecue on YouTube. I don't know what that means, but yeah, find Guns and Barbecue. Um, Juan is our good friend. Juan's been hiking like crazy, by the way. He's been posting a lot of pictures on Instagram. He's been hiking like all these trails out in, uh, like, I don't know, Nevada, Arizona, California, and stuff, which is awesome. Uh, yeah. So, so, but every day he's like posting all these, these places he's been hiking. So, um, Sass says if the vehicle says change oil every 10,000, change every 5,000. Like, I agree. Like, I always change my oil. I, um, sooner than later. I don't know if yep. you're John, but I'm not. <laughs> Is oil's cheap? Like replacing engine, not cheap. Um, uh, take me some Pepto. Oh my God, you guys. Jim McIntosh, good friend. How many fuel savings will be gained by switching to zero? I, zero wood oil's everything. Guns and Barbecue knows it. Like a lot of people don't know this, but uh, Jonathan uh, exclusively uses zero weight oil and uh, applewood chips when he's uh, making brisket. That's right. Off. So you say zero weight oil is the only <laughs> way to go. The thing is, like, you got to make sure it's kind of just a, a like a quarter inch because if you go a little heavier than that, it can ignite or lighter yes. fluid and stuff like that. So you got to be careful. But uh, but yeah, zero weight oil is is. Uh, you know, it's one of those things like they, the government never tells you about all the purposes of zero white oil. Uh, you know, it's a, it can be a laundry detergent, you know, and stuff like that. And uh, but but yeah, so um, make your your lawn shine and things like that. Riggs Jr., who we haven't seen before, uh, Riggs in previous podcast, but he's saying, uh, you guys use new oil. My daily driver gets a new filter annually topped off the oil. Yeah, I don't know, buddy. Uh, Riggs, you're the guy. House cat, I'm dead. Ouch! I'm sorry to hear that. I'm allowed. It's uh, so bacon. Are you? Can you post bacon? Bacon. Can you post the links to Instagram or or and Facebook for um, guns and barbecue? I'd appreciate it. We got a Kojak with a Kodak. I remember that from the 1970s. A Kojak with a Kodak is a is a police officer with a radar gun. A Kojak with a Kodak. So nice. um, yeah. So a little See, bit, and, uh, and that's the one thing that stinks from uh, when I was driving. <clears throat> Most guys did not have uh, CBs turned on anymore. Uh, uh, there's a lot of guys that didn't have even have CBs anymore. So a lot of that old uh, trucker lingo, I never got to be privy to. Man, oh my god! So um, yeah, I had a CB. So I was a flag buddy, F-A-L-G buddy. I had two American flags on my two side antennas on my Plymouth Duster. I was flag buddy. Nice. So, And I cut a hole in my dash to install my CB radio, which uh, looking back was a risky move. Uh, but I did sell it to someone who thought the CB radio was an asset and paid a little more for the yes. vehicle because the CB radio was built into the dash. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Actually, looking back at that, that was a very dicey move. Um, this is Bolo saying truckers earn more respect than they earned it. Uh, obviously, do yes. Uh, Robert, I'll do something funny. Uh, it's a good from Sass One Too Many who did the cannonball run. You don't switch to zero weight oil. Newer cars call for it. You'll wreck a conventional engine with it. Yeah, our car has to have it. Um, trying to get through. It's, 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 it's incredible here. Uh, closer tolerances for lighter weight to avoid starvation. Um, this is Phil Henry from Germany, by the way. Phil is in Germany. Phil's saying, really appreciate the show tonight. Thanks for a great insight. Thank you, Phil. Phil also shared with me today through a personal message. Uh, there was a uh, a university, sh- uh, like a school shooting at a university today in Germany. And that that's very rare. It doesn't get covered very much. But uh, yeah, our friend Phil Henry there from Germany. 
breaker, breaker, 10-4, 10-4, I think 10-20 is. It's like, where am I right now? Riggs carries zero-weight oil in an empty card slot in his wallet. Yeah, zero-weight oil is like you just carry it with you wherever you go. Um, anybody know of any good videos for, for tuning a CB? Looking at anyone, I don't know, but I'm sure you can find one. So Yeah, there's all kinds of them out there. Uh, it gets a little hairy, though. If you can find a CB shop around you, that's going to be your best bet. Um, because then you get into some some of the stuff with your coax cable things like that um you know you want to have that stretched out as much as possible you don't want to have it you know wound up a bunch and uh tucked behind a bunch of stuff uh so wow that is that is crazy it, ham radio crash course yeah wow well, it sounds yeah. like we should have nick shoelander in here so i had a cb in my pontiac all right and our last one here is real men used uh, smoke signals. Or was it semaphore or something like that? I think I wrote about it in my uh, in my book. But yeah, back in the old days. So, all right, um, let me get the banner off here so we can wrap things up. Uh, so this has been uh, the Safety Doc Podcast. So those of you um, who've been listening, we have 168 of these out there, and they're all available at safetyphd.com um, in video and audio leveled audio and then also blog posts so and if you go through you're going to find interviews of awesome people like jonathan or you're going to feel find like solo shows that i you know did myself and you might be like you know like hey here's like you know 10 or 15 shows i want to i want to download i want to listen to and and uh, you know you're going to get straight information right there's not going to be a bias coming with here i'm going to cite stuff out uh, so I, I, I think it's some pretty cool stuff. Um, it's not everybody's jam, but like I had somebody email me and say, Hey, I listen to every show that you did. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Like I can't give you a, a year <laughs> or a week of your life back. They're like, no, I was really into it. Um, but you know, that's, that's kind of, thing. I really enjoy this. I, I, I'm so fortunate, um, Jonathan for you to be a guest and giving me all this time tonight. No, Check I'm out, really honored. Thank you. Uh, appreciate it. Check out guns and barbecue, everybody. And uh, again, you know, this is uh, Safety Dad Podcast. I have 43 thumbs up. So thank you for the, the thumbs up. Thank you for sharing the show. Thank you for the watch hours. Just everything that all of you do. Uh, I look forward to this show, you know, for, for weeks. Um, having Jonathan on. Um, and I'm excited to go in and, and to put the blog post up tomorrow. Uh, again, just such a great guy. Uh, this has really been a terrific show. And all of you in the chat, you know, uh, helping with things that, that we kind of... Uh, we're covering in the moment and you're like, how about this angle? So talking about that. So this is a safety doc. Thank you everybody. And I will see you all on Friday morning for face validity. So this is the safety doc and our good friend, uh, Jonathan Berger at guns and barbecue. It is the pinned. It is the pinned comment up above. Check that out. Subscribe guns and barbecue. So thank you everybody.